showing unique dedication on this Halloween night. Episode 165 is now gavel underway yes with hotshot scott well the only reason i came over instead of doing it from my house is i couldn't handle all the freaking instructions i was getting from steven spielberg what? with the lighting and turning your computer and it's what? it's too dark in there and you got to get to the left really and, you're coming right oh out of the gate God. With, you're throwing me under the bus shouldn't you be making jurassic park 2 or whatever <laughs> have i who to- knew have i told you about <laughs> mitch unfiltered the youtube channel <laughs> yes you have you can blame mitch unfiltered the youtube channel for oh, all of this all the instructions if we, if we didn't have Mitch unfiltered the YouTube channel. There'd be no Steven Spielberg and no instructions. But we now have. Oh, the Rangers just scored an empty net goal. Uh, we now have Mitch unfiltered yes. the YouTube channel. People saying, "Hey, we want more. We want more video. We want to see highlights of the show." Yeah. So you got to step up your game. You got to step up your oh, Zoom game. The over eye there. contact and look at all this. <laughs> well, what, what, what is this? What am I doing over here? I mean, I'm a stupid radio guy. Ask me what is this. <laughs> What is this? It's Mitch Unfiltered, the YouTube channel. <laughs> sure is. We're trying to get subscribers and people interested and excited. I decided I'm going to give this about two months. Okay. It's a lot of work. Yeah, I'm sure. It's. I mean, I didn't get into this for the video. Yeah. Uh, you know, we were doing more and more with the merchandising and this and that and the other thing. And Mitch Unfiltered, the brand is growing and Facebook and Twitter. It's a lot of work. And now the video editing to put stuff oh, up on yeah. YouTube on Mitch Unfiltered, <laughs> the YouTube channel yes. to do all that. Let me tell you, I don't know if you're, are you a video editor? Have you ever done any video editing? Nope. Okay. It takes a lot of time. I took a class in high school. I remember the teacher. I always yeah. remember him saying. What's his name? Uh, Mr. Jarvanen, as a matter of fact. <laughs> and, but I remember him saying that for every minute of video that you put together with music and stuff, it, yeah. t- it should take you about an hour. For every minute. Now, this isn't like, you're not putting music, no, but, no, still, but still, I know it's I'm a lot of I'm trying to make it not, like, I don't want to do anything that we can't do well. Yeah. And. There's there's limitations with the talent that's yeah, involved I was here. Say I'll leave. I don't know. But you know, <laughs> I want to make sure that there's highlights and there's this and there's pictures and graphics yeah. and and ident- IDs and everything. And it takes a long time. So what I figured is, and everybody's a do Mitch unfilter the YouTube channel. And I decided, all right, I'll do it. And it's adding hours and hours and hours of work. Yeah. Let's see if anybody re- if if the numbers really show that it's worth doing it okay i mean if 35 people are going to get a kick out of it i don't know that i should be spending hours and hours for 27 people to watch you and me or me and slickhawk or randy mueller and i now if if hundreds and hundreds or thousands or whatever if 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 there seems to be excitement and interest in terms of the numbers and all then i'll continue to do it but i'm giving it Eight weeks. Okay. Ask me what I'm giving eight weeks. What is it exactly you're giving eight weeks? Mitch Unfiltered. Oh, yeah. The YouTube channel. (laughs) I've heard something about that. Yes. I was setting you up for Halloween and the kind of commit. It's funny. I was setting you up to show the kind of commitment and sacrifice that you made to be over here on Halloween night. Very true. The father of a 12-year-old daughter. Yep. And you take the baton, and instead of going with it, you just start to throw me under the bus. That's what I do best, yes. Yes, I am the father of a 12-year-old who I found out doesn't need me or mom following her around no, she during doesn't. Halloween. It's the first one ever. Ever? It, yeah, it, it kind of hurt a little bit. I'm sure. It stings uh, a little stings bit. stings a little bit. Yeah, yeah. 
Dad, we don't need you trick-or-treating. Is she still trick-or-treating at 12? I don't remember when the kids stopped. When she they is stop? still trick-or-treating at 12, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Her and three friends, are the, they were the Care Bears. You remember the Care Bears? No. So one was a different color, no, like I don't yellow know the Care and blue. Bears. Anyway, no, no. yeah, they were the Care Bears. So, yeah, I was not needed. I thought maybe I'd, you know, kind of hang back a little. No, not needed. We're good. See you later. She's getting, because she's, she's kind of tall for her age, She is right? kind of tall, yeah. She's mature looking for her age, right? Yes. So she's one of these that would come to my door and I open it one, like once every year, a set of kids come to the door and I look at them and I go, isn't it about time? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Luckily, Is her it, friends are small. So <laughs> I mean, there comes a time we all hang them up. Yeah, you have to. And I try to have time. that conversation and they look at me and I'm like. You know, it's just, you know, maybe this is the last year for you guys. Yeah. And I have no idea who they are. And they yeah. have no, I'm just the, the old guy that opens the door. Mom, he told us that this is it. I got to hang him up. <laughs> Mom. There was a guy, I swear. Dad. There was a kid that was taller than me that came to the door. Like, I, I Our could, door or your door? My door. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe how tall this kid was, but he had a cool costume on, so I didn't care. And I want to get rid of the candy. Well, anymore. you came to the door and I started to give you candy. Yeah, I but, was like, you you look a lot. You, your costume looks a lot like my co-host. That's right. <laughs> that's a, that's a great costume. Uh, but your wife said I wasn't dressed up, so I couldn't okay. have any. But I, uh, I did try. Well, thanks for the dedication. Yes. And thank you for throwing me on, under the bus. <laughs> and thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk about Mitch Unfiltered, the YouTube channel. That's right. I wanted to hit you with a rock and roll trivia question. Go ahead. Out of the game. Go ahead. I, 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 I got all the stuff on the, and the, we're in the T section. I got oh, a, yeah, yeah. I yeah. got a lot of T stuff. Go ahead. You, you start with a stump the band question. Yeah, but rock I, and roll trivia. I think most people know this. I'm just trying to gauge it. I don't. It. I don't. For your next thing? Yeah, I'm just kind of curious. For your next podcast? Your Correct. Next the first podcast? ever music video played on MTV Music Television. Great question. I should know the answer. Oh, you don't? Copacabana. <laughs> no. Even then he wasn't cool. No, it wasn't. How about... Uh, if you don't know it... Sweet you, Caroline. If you don't know it, I don't think you'll ever stumble upon no, it. I don't know it. The song is called Video Killed the Radio Star. Oh, yeah. By yeah. the... Bu- no, no, the... Um, the, the Buggles. Yeah, that's right. The Boggles? Buggles. Buggles? With a I don't U. Know. Yeah, I don't Video know. killed. Yeah, no, I know yeah, the yeah. song. I know the song. Which yeah. is bullcrap because the radio star was killed much later. Like 40, <laughs> like 30 years after that. I mean, come on. So, yeah. that. Uh, but the reason I brought it up the is The radio star was killed in 2017. <laughs> right. I, at I, KJR. No one knows the answer to the second video ever played on MTV. I think most people know the answer to the first one. except. Oh, me. you're following it up with another trivia question? But I'm just saying. Do most, you know? Well. I only know because who I'm, was the VJ, the video DJ? Who was it? Who was it? Martha Quinn? Well, they had like five. JJ Jackson. No, I mean who? The very first one that that threw out this these videos. I'm pretty sure that they were all on actually. Oh, at they, the same time. No, they they kind of they kind of threw it to uh, each other. It was pretty oh. clunky and weird. I've watched okay. it since. Okay. But the second one was a person named Pat Benatar, oh. which is why I bring this all up. Oh yeah, well you're doing oh, yeah. Who knew she was the second video ever played Not on me. MTV? Not me. Never would have guessed it in a million Not years. Me. So there you go. The song is called "You Better Run." Episode 100, You Better Run. You Better Run. Sing a little bit of it. You better run. You better hide. You better run. <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah, I, it, 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 I think it peaked at 42. I think Cooper Rush is Carson <laughs> I know, Wentz. he looks so much like him. It's crazy. Uh, have we seen them in the same room at the same time? Okay. You Better Run was not, it was barely a top run. 40 hit, which That's is weird. That's why I don't understand. I don't right, recognize which, it. Which yeah. is weird that they picked that one to be the yeah. second video ever. Anyway, there you go. Episode 165, I've told you about Mitch Unfiltered, the YouTube channel. <laughs> yes. Um, thanks to all of the nice people that have written notes about me getting choked up on once. Did you hear me lose it on episode 164 talking about my dad and Bino Cook? Yeah. The story? Did I did. you? 
Did you listen to it all? No, you turned it off. No, I, I listened to it. Was it bad? No, it's not bad. Why would it be bad? Well, it was kind of humiliating. I was trying to keep it together and I couldn't keep it together. Yeah, I, I just, um, I didn't want to use the word humiliating because I didn't want to be insensitive. But um, <laughs> no, I just. But you were thinking it. <laughs> I just don't have anyone in my life like like you do. Like, so I, I just cannot relate to like tearing up over, especially in front of strangers. I just, I, I don't yeah. have that in me. But oh. I know how close you and your dad were and how close you and Bino were. Well, you don't have to be all like defeated. See, now, I'm just I'm, saying. Now I'm feeling extra terrible. No, people about on Twitter were like loving it, though. They were, Some, yeah, the people who said something loved it. There's yeah. probably a lot of people that thought like you, like, what's going on? Well, why, I'm an why, insensitive why is it? <laughs> I mean, I just, you know, it was very sweet of you. And you were, I'm, I'm probably jealous of the relationship you and your dad had. It's pretty cool. Uh, well, I didn't get as many react reactions to that as i did x factor on the previous show i got a lot more negative x (laughs) fact well not negative poking fun x factor than i did Bino cook crying stories but thank you to everybody who who wrote such a nice note subscribe listen and rate review us if you don't mind on apple Podcasts. we we need you to click play on all the all the shows become a mitch unfiltered patron for five dollars a month to get all the extra shows. Yep. Uh, if you don't mind giving us a five-star rating and, and sharing a review on Apple Podcasts like Abby Lynn Goss did. Whoa, full name. Five stars. Well, that's what she wrote. Okay. Right? Yeah, that's what she wrote. Abby Lynn Goss on Apple Podcasts, my favorite Seattle sports listen. I've been listening since this started. Mitch is my favorite voice in the morning, and I love his humor. Am I on, are we on only in the morning? <laughs> podcast only You're on welcome the to listen anytime throughout the day on a podcast. I feel like Mitch's departure, she writes, I feel like Mitch's departure from Seattle radio actually did him and us a favor because he can now follow the new agers into podcasting. Okay. That one, way, one way of looking at it. Yes. <laughs> That's not right. maybe the way I or my family looked at it, but no. it's one way to Probably look at it. Probably was not yeah. the goal of this, yeah. no. Or if you don't want to leave a five-star rating and review, you can write to me directly Uh-oh. at Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com, like Joseph in Lake Oswego, Oregon did. Oh, beautiful Lake Oswego. Mitch, in 1997, you were an, you were an inexperienced, rough-around-the-edges, insecure, awful talk show host. What? That was your third year. In 2007, <laughs> you were an ex- you were an experienced awful talk show host, which was even more inexcusable. And now in 2021, you're a miserable podcast host. I lasted 30 minutes of one show. Why anyone would listen to this shit is beyond me. And don't get me started on what kind of a person you are. Oh, boy. Joseph Lake Oswego, Oregon. So if you want to send me a nice note like that Jeez. to Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com, you're more than welcome to do it. Just felt compelled to look up your email address and, and shit on you. And I mean, he was like, having a good day yeah, right. when he wrote that. God. Could you imagine if he decided to write me on a day that he was having a bad day? There's plenty of things in life I don't like. I don't then seek them out. to. T- God, he just rips me. Yeah, that's that's. When you when you started it, I thought it was like tongue in cheek. Like I thought he was a fan and he was like no. saying you're awful and awful. Do you still think that? Not after the third <laughs> one. No, I don't. I don't think he's a fan. I went from we went from 1997 to 2007 to 2021. Yeah. I thought after 2007, he was going to turn the corner. Or, you know, I, was, I started to like you. Yeah, yeah. Yada, 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 or he was yada, choking yada. on the first two. And no. Yeah. There's no. just certain people on Twitter that just come after me so hard. Hard. 
Like hard. Wow. Wow. Like correct. Relentless. Correct. There's a few. Uh, You can become, as I say, a Mitch Unfiltered uh, patron at MitchUnfiltered.com. If you don't have the dollars or you're not in the place in your life to be spending $5 a month on a podcast, I don't want anybody to think that they're disqualified. Just write me a note at my email. I can't say it. Mitch at (laughs) MitchUnfiltered.com. We'll take care of you. Uh, Like if you're a patron, then you heard or you have available to you the infamous annual champagne drinking show, which happened last, I guess, Thursday night, Friday morning when the Cardinals lost on Thursday night and we drank. Slickhawk and I drank and then we drank some more and we did that (laughs) show. So only Mitch Unfiltered patrons would hear that. Okay, Beat the Boys. Yes. Real quickly, presented by Fireside Home Solutions. Thank you to John Waterstrat and everybody at Fireside Home Solutions. Heading into week 12. Uh, Slick was in 13th place. Steve was in 37th place. Mitch was in 140th place. (laughs) Yeah. And Scott was in 494th place. Is that right? Uh, Yeah. That was going into this past week. How did you do this past Uh, week? Do you have any idea? Oh, yeah. I have an idea. 3-0? No. What's the opposite of 3-0? Again? Well, I didn't get my picks in this time, so it's hard to win. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. This is why I don't what? do fantasy. This is why I retired from all this. What? I don't want to have to remember something every week. I hate it. You can't even get your picks in? I know. In? It's the first time I haven't ever got them in, though. I, I will try to do But I just figure Slickhawk's going to carry us, and I'm just going to sit back and let him do it for us. I know. I, I didn't get them in. I just. This is why I quit fantasy. I don't like having should this I not, stuff. Should, you, you did it all last year. You I did do, somehow. Should I not even give you the games then? You're not going to. You're done? <laughs> well, Are one, you quitting? <laughs> Are you walking with your. taking your ball home? <laughs> give me the games. Packers at Chiefs next week. Vikings at Ravens. Go Ravens. Titans at Rams. Um, word. Code word. Yes. YouTube. Okay. All lowercase, one word, Y-O-U-T-U-B-E. All right. Those of you that aren't sophisticated and savvy technologically <laughs> like I am. Right, you are. Mitch Unfiltered, the YouTube channel. So YouTube is your code word. Packers, Chiefs, Vikings, Ravens, Titans, and Rams. Okay? Gotcha. Now, this is a really long tease because I want to get this next part into the tease before we actually start the show. Okay. I don't know that we're going to do a lot of Seahawks. I don't think there's a lot of Seahawks chatter to do except to say, yay. Yep. Yay, 31-7. So we'll get there and we'll do other stuff. But in promoting who the guests are, this is the part of the show where I promoted the guests are. Well, you know two of them because they're the same two each week during the football season. We have New Heisel who missed again. He's 1-7. Oh, my god! Couldn't follow it up with a win. And then we have the Seahawks no table with Joe and Brady. So we'll get, we'll get the Seahawks covered in that, in that segment for sure. But the third guest, I was wondering to myself, is the third guest responsible for the best performance, individual performance, by an opposing team player Hmm. in the history of Husky Stadium? So I did this, which I think is, and I didn't cry. I promise I didn't cry (laughs) like I did last week. Um, I did this interview with this very enjoyable figure. Okay. I, I really liked him. I had never met him. I had never talked to him. He was terrific. And I thought to myself, I should do a little Twitter kind of poll, informal poll. I saw it. Oh, you did see it. Yeah, yeah. And I got a shitload. Crazy how many. I know. I was reading. Shitload of response. Yeah, All was I was asking, and then people can't follow directions. Oh, I know. Corey Dillon, Corey Dillon. Warren Moon. <laughs> what part What part of opposing team player? Then they're giving me opposing team players in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, and right. another, people just can't get it right. Yeah. Anyway, opposing team player in Husky Stadium. 
I got all these responses from Reggie Bush yeah, this freshman sure. year to Keyshawn Johnson, which reminded me of a fun story about Keyshawn Johnson. Uh, me and Randy Johnson over the Keyshawn. Remember the tie game? It was like 28-28 or 34-34, yeah. something like that. Randy Johnson calls me off the air during a commercial break. I'm doing the midday show. For all I know, you you were on the board and the producer, whoever it was, says, hey, can you pick up the phone? Somebody wants to talk to you during the break. And I hated, I hated picking up the phone during the break. Sure, yeah, yeah. And I picked up the phone, and it was Randy Johnson in yeah. 1995. Sure, yeah. He was a I'm big doing deal. the midday show, and he was like, <laughs> I want to make a bet with you, Mitch. I want to make a bet with you. I was like, Randy, first of all, you and I don't even know each other. And wait, wait, wait. <laughs> USC, because he was a USC guy. Yes. USC Washington. If Washington wins, I shave my head. If USC wins, you shave yours. Yeah. And I'm like, A, I don't care about Washington. It's 1995. <laughs> B, I am not shaving my head. And C, if I win, I don't want to see you with a shaved head. <laughs> so what part of this? And I told him all this. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I asked him to come on the air, and he refused to come on the air. He wanted to do it off the air. So there was no bet. And then they tied. Crazy. They th- and he was on the sidelines. I saw him. Oh, I, was okay. at the, I was at the game, and he was, at the, he was on the side. Anyway, so that came up. Charles White, 1979. I, I didn't even know that Earl Campbell in 1975 played at Husky Stadium and ran for 200 yards against Washington. No Very idea. Cool. I'm actually glad I asked the question because I found some things out that I, I didn't know. A lot of people said September 8th, 1985, a guy by the name of Thurman Thomas. Oh, sure. Oklahoma State. 237 yards on 40 carries and an upset of then number 12 Washington. A lot of, a lot of votes for that. There was the Ortez Jenkins. I was there. I was too. Leap at the oh, lake. Oh, that hurt. Flipping over yep. into the end zone for a touchdown in Arizona. There was Jonathan Stewart, October 2007. 251 yards from right here in sure. Olympia, Washington. Tumwater, yeah. Tumwater, 251 and two touchdowns. Yep. So that got us some votes. Ryan Leaf got votes for his 97 uh, Apple oh, yeah. Cup performance. 358 in a 41-35 win for Washington State over Washington. A lot of people voted for that one. Marcus Mariota. 2013, 366 yards passing, 88 rushing, three touchdowns, and an Oregon win. So a lot, we got a lot of votes, a lot of votes. But the finalists, I would say the two that got the most votes, and I think it was pretty clear, included our guest, guest number three. Okay, I was hoping, I was kind of hoping for that. Anyway, one of the one of the finalists, one of the top two, was Maurice Jones-Drew. Oh, sure. Do you have any recollection of a game that Maurice Jones-Drew played at Husky Stadium? I do. You do? Oh, yeah. 26 carries, 322 yards, five touchdowns, four carries for 169 yards in the first quarter. Let me do that again. Yeah, yeah. Four carries for 169 yards. How many yards per carry is that? In the first 40 quarter. Yeah, two? over 40 yards of carry <laughs> I, I, in I'm the still first not in quarter. a place where I can laugh about this, though. Oh, really? Because I watched this game. I couldn't, oh. couldn't believe what I was watching. Right. I mean, like, really, you can't tackle him. You can't tackle him. When I, when I was assistant coach. I don't know coach, that they ever touched him. Well, yeah, they well, didn't even see him. He was so small. He was like 5'7". Yeah, he was, yeah. yeah. When yeah. I was assistant coach at Issaquah, the head coach at the time said he took a team to California at one point. He said the best high school running back I've ever seen in my life was a guy named Maurice Jones-Drew. There you go. He had like 300 yards in the first quarter. There you and go. So there you go. He had 322. <laughs> and he, it's funny because he broke his all-time UCLA school record with that day, 322, which was 301 yards. By Deshaun Foster, 
against the University oh, of Washington gosh. in 2001, but that was on the road. Anyway, 300. So keep in mind, 322 yards and five touchdowns. Okay. That's hard to beat. Well, when you when you threw this out on Twitter, that one came to mind. Did it? Yeah, okay. that was the first one for me. That okay. Was, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, just keep that it's, in mind. It's good. Three twenty-two and five touchdowns. Yeah, on twenty-six carries, and then the other one was September sixteenth, twenty fourteen, when University of Washington beat Eastern Washington fifty-nine fifty-two. A guy by the name of Vernon Adams. Oh sure. On like a F- FCS school or whatever you call it, FCS yeah. school. He went for 475 Ooh. yards passing and seven touchdowns, no interceptions. I might have been at that one, too. I was there. My whole family was there. It's funny because I have it's, it sounds like the spiel that I've been to a lot of Husky. Yeah. I, I really haven't been to a lot of Husky fans games, but I've been to a lot of these for whatever reason. I just been to a lot. I was at the Vernon Adams. We had season tickets. The whole family was there. It was like, it was like the first game of the year. It was just, we could not believe what yeah. was going back and forth. Was he an Oregon transfer? He then next, the following year as a graduate, transferred to Oregon and came back the next year yeah. the head, as the starting quarterback of Oregon. <laughs> I think he had a good game then too. He was a so, good player. He's our guest. Wow. He's our guest. The reason we reached out to him has nothing to do with this. Yeah. He actually broke his finger in college. And I thought it would be interesting to get oh. his thoughts from on Russell Wilson's broken finger because he's been yeah. following it, whatever. He plays in the Canadian Football League now for the Montreal Alouettes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I'm thinking, this is hard. 322 rushing and five touchdowns or 475 passing and seven oh, touchdowns. That's he tough. had touchdown passes of 41, 33, 26, 28, 13, 22, and 11. And I got about the same amount of votes for Maurice Jones-Drew and Vernon <laughs> So I don't know what the answer is, but I thought what was funny is I texted him the next day. Okay. I'd already done the interview with him. Very, you're going to like him, even though you probably have bad feelings. Well, they won. Anyway, you're going to like the interview, but... The next day after I put this poll out there, and I got a lot of Maurice Jones-Drew and a lot of Vernon Adams, I decided, you know what? I'm going to write him. I never write an interview after I do it. I don't don't want to bother people, but I decided, you know, he and I kind of hit it off, whatever I'm going to. So I texted him, listen, I'm getting a lot of votes for Maurice Jones-Drew. I need to know honest opinion from you. This is a text. What's better? 322 yards rushing and five touchdowns or 475 yards passing and seven touchdowns. Yeah. And he texted me back like within seconds okay. saying, what's better? <laughs> Mine definitely. We're an FCS school and they had like four first round draft choices <laughs> on that defense. Good for him. Okay. <laughs> I, I thought he was going to go the other way. I really did. I thought he was going to be a combo. That's awesome. We were, we were Eastern Washington. That's, that's a good point. Uh, well, how good of a point is it? So then I decided, you know, I got nothing else to do. I don't have a job. You yeah, got a yeah, job. Sure. Let me let me go back to that that 2014 Washington defense and see how many of these guys did any of these guys play in the NFL? So I'm going to read to you the list of names that was on that Washington defense. Now, take a little of this with a grain of salt because some of them are freshmen and not playing much. Gotcha. Okay. But just to get a sense of who e- it's Eastern Washington yeah. against a team that has the following names. Okay. Okay. Will Disley was on defense for Washington. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he played in the NFL, still does. Yeah, sure. A guy named Travis Feeney, a linebacker. Okay. Played for a cup of coffee in the NFL, war number 41. A guy named Greg Gaines. Oh, sure. Is now 
playing and playing very well in the NFL. Yeah. Defensive tackle. Guy named Sidney Jones was on that team. Yeah. He's playing in the NFL. Guy named Kevin King was on that team, oh, a cornerback. Yeah, another good one. He's playing in the NFL. A guy named Caleb McGarry was a defensive lineman. Now he's an offensive lineman and a first-round draft choice in the NFL. A guy named Marcus Peters was playing defensive oh, back man. for Washington. He's in the NFL. Guy named Danny Shelton, yeah, pretty sure. good. Yeah. He was playing defensive line. He's in the NFL. Some guy named Shaq Thompson was on that team. Jeez. He's in the NFL. A guy named John Timu, who played yeah. for the Bears, he was on that team. Some dude named Vita Vea was oh on that gosh. team. He's only the best <laughs> interior defensive lineman in the NFL. Yeah. And maybe the best of the bunch, at least going into college, although he didn't make it because of injury, was a guy named Azeem Victor. Remember oh, Azeem he Victor? was so good. 36 linebacker. Victor was great. Okay. Really good college linebacker. Okay. Disley, Feeney, Gaines, Jones, King, McGarry, Peter, Shelton, Thompson, Timu, Vea, yeah. Victor, all on Washington. And this dude came in and threw for 475 yeah. yards and seven touchdowns. And I should put a spotlight on Sidney Jones' corner, Kevin King corner, yeah. Marcus Peters corner. Right. Yeah. We're on that team. Yeah. He wasn't wrong. He said four. <laughs> he, might, I mean, he, he was kind of, he so, downplayed it a little go. bit. I mean, there's there a reason go. that team went on to, to make the playoffs in a couple years. I mean, that, that team was stacked. They were loaded. They were, uh, some of those guys were young. They were some young, of, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I said, in a couple yeah. years, they, that's why they made the playoffs. Anyway, it was a fun exercise. That's great. I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with everybody who tweeted me back. That was great how everybody on Twitter you know, rallied and gave me an answer, even though I know it's a, maybe an, an irritating question for Washington Husky fans because you're yeah. asking, but it's, you know, whatever. Yeah. And he, you're going to really like him. Nice. He's, he, he's got a bubbly, he's got an infectious personality, I think. Maybe you'll tell me next week that he made you cry like the Beano Cook guy. I'm happy he's still playing football. I mean, I thought that dude was good, so I'm happy yeah, he's still he, playing. Yeah, he's actually a little, he's going to give you a very interesting answer as to why he's not in the NFL right now. Okay. He was once with the Seattle Seahawks for a minute or two. That's right, he was, yeah. 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 Anyway. Nice. Anyway. I look and then to he it. transferred to Oregon after that game and yeah. then came back. I couldn't get him out of my life as a Husky fan. Came back. <laughs> I was like, go and away. And he was like... I had my greatest game ever, but we lost. I'm winning this time. And when he broke his finger, the reason why we're having him on about Russell Wilson, he came back. The first game back after the broken finger was here against Washington the next year. Wow. Okay. Now, there you go. Guests, Seahawks, no table, Rick Neuheisel, and Vernon Adams Jr., uh, one of the greatest performances, if not the greatest performance in Husky Stadium history by an opposing team player. Okay? Yep. Episode 165, Hot Shot Scott. Not possible without our partners. The growth of Zeke's Pizza has been nothing short of miraculous. The footprint now Tacoma, north to Bellingham, east to Spokane. Download the Zeke's Pizza app, have delicious pizza, and one of the region's really special craft beers at your door in no time. Zeke's Pizza homegrown in the Northwest. Daniel's Broiler is still... In big-time need of new employees, full-time, part-time, from hostesses to kitchen staff at all four locations. My son is a busboy. Now at one of the Seattle locations, danielsbroiler.com. Fireside Home Solutions, title sponsor of Beat the Boys. Our brand-new outdoor fireplace is warming our entire patio thanks to the Fireside Home Solutions team. It's awesome. These guys are fantastic. I urge you to start your search for a new fireplace, indoor or outdoor, at FiresideHomeSolutions.com. Jordan Flowers and his team now have changed jerseys. They're now cross-country mortgage in Kirkland, offering incredible refinancing opportunities. So many of you could be saving a lot of money 
every month on your mortgages, 425-890-2957, Jordan Flowers. Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, and experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning, taxes, and investments under one roof, evergreengk.com. It's more than just a financial advisor, Evergreen is everything wealth. This is episode 165, Seahawks, Kraken. Who had the greatest game for an opposing team player in the history of Husky Stadium? We're going to answer it all as episode 165 begins right now. Unfiltered. How are you going to build the team when you don't have draft choices? You've given up all your draft choices for Jamal Adams. You're paying Russell Wilson a shitload of money against the salary cap, so you're not going to have a lot of money to win. How are you filling in the pieces around him when you saw how flawed they look with him in there? Unfiltered. You know, you wouldn't blame Pete. He's the oldest coach in the NFL for yeah. saying I-, I can't, no, no, I can't start over. I can't start looking for quarterbacks. I'm 112 years old. I'm not yeah. going to live beyond next Tuesday. I don't have time to start looking for quarterbacks. Mitch is unfiltered. Episode 165, Hot Shot Scott, is now officially underway. The first thing I have in my notes about the Seahawks is, lucky the Jags are so bad. I mean, drops, crappy routes, bad interception. They are bad. Uh, Stupid roughing call on third down, offsides penalty on third down, delay a game. How about 12? No, 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 (laughs) no. They are terrible. Okay, here's what takes the cake. Okay. (laughs) 12 men on the field, two plays in a row. <laughs> right, Scott. And people are dying for uh, for that coach. They're dying to get him in here or get him anywhere. S- somebody tweeted, one of our guys tweeted, I can't remember who it was, sorry if I'm not getting... Somebody tweeted, hey, I don't think the Jacksonville Urban Meyer realizes that you can't average 11 guys on the field. <laughs> you got to actually have 11 guys on the field. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, they, yeah. But they, they, they this is like- a conversation we've had for many a years in sports. It's a sports radio conversation that pops up every once in a while. Yes, there's no question about it. Jacksonville is a very bad team, but, and they played yeah. poorly. But, but they beat the Dolphins two weeks ago in London. Not that the Dolphins are any great shake. They played Cleveland very well on a Thursday night, the game previous to that. They are a bunch of NFL guys, and I just – with all the weeks that we come on after losses and just skewer the Seattle Seahawks, I'm, I'm careful about completely selling the Seahawks performance mm. short. I know that the, it's going to be the tendency because they're only three and five and they haven't beaten anybody. And now they beat a Jaguars team that's making all the mistakes that you mentioned. So I know that they would probably this would probably tend to be the reaction from Seahawks fans, but I try not to go there because I thought the Seahawks played a very good game yeah. on Sunday. No, I agree I did. with you I on did. top of that. Yeah. I just was surprised that it looked like they hadn't even had a training camp together. I mean, just some of the mistakes. Terrible. That's, that's, Terrible. It's, it's one thing if you don't have the horses. Sometimes you just don't have the talent to hang with good. They just look like they even had a practice together. Yeah. It was just like and every time like there's an opening in college football, everyone wants Urban Meyer. Oh, Urban Meyer. He's so good at Ohio. Well, Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer. He was. He was great in college. I don't know what I'm looking at here with Jacksonville, though. And plus, I, they all hate him. 
Well, yeah, that, that's the, that too. The, that's, the, 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 there's the big elephant in the room. All the yeah. players, I don't think, I don't think any of them respect yeah. him. They don't like him. I actually kind of felt sorry for Trevor Lawrence and that team. I swear to you, I was kind of feeling sorry. They just look discombobulated. And, uh, he's going to do okay for himself. Yes, he's not uh, like we. But see how, how much of all that discombobulation, if there is such a word, how much about all of that did the Seahawks force? Did the crowd force? Did the Seahawks force? The defense played very well. They got a lot of pass pressure, even though they only registered one official stack. Sack. They were in on the quarterback a lot, hitting him. Jamal Adams made 10 tackles. Bobby Wagner. I mean, do you want to completely discount whether the Seahawks defense for a second consecutive game put together a pretty good game, a better than pretty good yeah. game, no, right? I'm not. I'm not discounting it. Not at all. They, they were. You shutting, sound like you're discounting. They it. were shutting them out with like what four minutes to go. Or I don't yeah, know. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Anytime you pitch a shutout in the NFL, pretty good. Take it. Yeah. Pretty good. Now there's there's no coincidence that the two games, these last two games, that they excelled that the Seahawks excelled in were teams that do not have dynamic pass offenses. Yeah. The Saints and Jameis Winston and not great wide receivers on a rainy, windy Thursday night or Monday night, whatever it was. That was a good time for the Seahawks past deficient team, past coverage deficient team to shine. And then the following week, you get a Jacksonville team that's not very dynamic yet in the pass, in the passing game and you excel. So I, I don't think that there's a, I don't think that there's a coincidence to that. And in two weeks from now, they'll face Aaron Rodgers right. and Devontae Adams, and we'll find out how their pass defense really is, right? right? Yes, that's right. Right. So. Yeah, no, it's, it, I'm not discounting them at all. I, I, I thought the DBs were flying around. I, they, they looked young and they looked active, and I, I, I was really liking what I saw out there. I'm just wondering, as I'm watching Shaq Griffin, what were the – I know you're not the Jags general manager, but – what were they thinking going into this, this season to go spend that kind of money but this, for a freaking corner? Were they a Shaq Griffin away from no, making a this, playoff run? This is what bad organizations do. Okay. This is what bad. I mean, this is going on for a hundred years. This is what bad organizations do. They they're bad. They get high level draft choices. They get way under the cap. And then they go and try to make a splash in free agency. Yeah. And, and he's not a bad player. I don't think he had a particularly good day on Sunday he did here. Not. But from all everything that I hear, he's had a solid, not pro bullish, but solid start to the season for Jacksonville. He's been one of their better players and good for him. He got a lot of money. He just yeah. didn't get it here. He's, but he's being paid. He, he, he'd, be, he'd be good here. But mm. not, but not for that money. Yeah, not not for that. He'd money. He'd be their number one corner here still, but not for that money. You don't want to pay him that money. No way. No. 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 I mean, DK. No. Had a game against him. Two touchdowns. I mean, well, DK. I mean, you can talk about DK's game all you want, and yeah, God knows what he's doing right now. <laughs> while we're talking about it, look, look what he does when he loses. Oh my what God. What does he do when he Eight. wins? That's right. He, he, he doesn't tell anybody to turn around and go home. That's for sure. No, no, no. That's for sure. He's in a good mood. How about your buddy uh, Tyler Lockett's twelve catches? I forgot he was on the team. It was 12. nice to see him catch the ball. Twelve. Yeah. He. he I guess twelve this is catches what he does. from Geno. Right. Twelve. This is what he does. He has big games and yeah. Yeah. Like his first, didn't he have like three touchdowns in one game, first game of the year or something he like has that? He big and games. Then, he has small games. Yeah, that's right. He had yeah. 12. No, he, he looked 12 great. 12 catches. Well, uh, we'll talk a lot about it on the, um, on the Seahawks No Table with Brady Henderson, ESPN.com and Joey Vegas uh, in our next segment. And we've got other, 
other fun interviews. I will say this about the Seahawks. Before you write them completely off, you and I talked about this on, what was it, episode 164P this past week for the patrons. Um, I'll, I'll just give you a little small taste of a Mr. Playoffs. I don't want to do a full-blown Mr. Playoffs. Yeah. I, I don't, look, I don't know whether the Seahawks can get it together. I don't know whether they can beat a good team. I don't know that, that, that Russell Wilson is coming back anytime soon. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. I don't know what kind of team they'll be. I don't want to promise anything. What I'm about to say has really nothing to do about the Seahawks, but has a lot to do with the playoff picture in the NFC. You and I, as we're recording this on a Sunday night, we watched the end of the Dallas-Minnesota game. Yep. Where the Cowboys went to Minnesota with a quarterback that nobody's ever heard of. In fact, his mother, the quarterback's mother, was asked if she had ever heard of Cooper Rush, and yeah. she said, I don't know who it is. Oh, she hasn't heard of me either. She never even heard of okay. not even yeah, a, yeah. As they say, not even a household name in his own home. <laughs> yeah. Okay? They went to Minnesota and upset the Vikings. The Vikings lost to Cooper Rush at home on a Sunday night. That's the Vikings team. That's the team that the NFC is chasing for the final wild card. Right. Okay. Just to give you a yeah. little sense of what we're talking about here. Okay. The, the Ram, at, at this moment, the Rams are a solid playoff team and they'd be a wild card team because the Cardinals would win the division. Yep. And the Saints, who actually found a way, a, a way to beat the Buccaneers on Sunday yeah. after Jameis Winston got hurt, which I can't understand. Trevor, I mean, Trevor Simeon came in and well, played quarterback. That's the, new, that's the new craze in the NFL. Play your backup and you Play win. Your backup. Seahawks won. Play your backup. Cowboys he, won. But he's not even their backup. He's their third stringer <laughs> oh, because right. the backup is Taysom Hill, and he was a, he was a, a scratch. Yeah. So the Saints would be the second wild card team. And then the third wild card team, as of the moment that we're recording this, is a four and four Carolina Panthers team. Okay. Carolina Panthers. Sam yeah. Darnold, who they're talking about benching. Yeah. The Carolina Panthers at four and four are in the playoff if the season ended today at four and four. And then comes three and four Minnesota, three and four 49ers, three and four Falcons, three and five Seahawks. So in the loss column, you're only one game behind the seventh spot. All this is to say, again, Again, I want to repeat. I'm not telling you the Seahawks are any good. Please don't Save your tweets. flood my emails with all you're saying. <laughs> right. that. I'm not saying the Seahawks are any good. I'm not even saying that they're going to be able to win a bunch of games. All this says is that last wild card team in the NFC looks like it's headed for nine and eight. Maybe at best, I, I guess there's an outside shot, eight and nine with a bunch of tiebreak advantages could get in, but I would say nine and eight. Okay, okay, so now do the math on nine and eight. Yeah. They're three and five. What do they got to do to go nine and eight? Six and three. Six and three yeah. over the last nine games. Whether Russell Wilson is coming back or not, I don't know. You look at their last nine games. You say they got to go six and three to get to nine and eight, yep. to be in the mix for the last playoff spot. You can very simply break their remaining opponents down into two categories. Okay. The haves and the have-nots. All right. And there's a clear delineation. They've got four games against haves, and they've got five games against have-nots. Okay. The haves, two games against the Cardinals still left, one game at Los Angeles against the Rams still left, one game that's coming up against Green Bay. Four haves. 
right? Okay. The have-nots, you get the 49ers here. You get the Bears here. You get Detroit here. I think you go to Houston and you go to the Washington football team. Okay. Five teams that are going nowhere and nowhere fast. Yeah. Those are the have-nots. So, you got to go six and three. Yeah. How do you go six and three? Well, I guess you go six and three by beating the have-nots. That's five. Beat them all. Yeah. And then win one out of four. One out of four. Cards twice. Rams once. Green Bay. Russell Wilson comes back, gets hot in one of those games. They somehow figure out. They beat the Cardinals here. You couldn't see them beating the Cardinals here? Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, in fact, they go there. They play better there. Right. <laughs> against the Cardinals. 5-0 and oh against the have-nots. 1-3 and three against the haves is 6-3. and three and get you to 9-8, and eight. and I'm not promising that will be good enough because they might lose a tiebreaker, yeah. but 9-8 and eight puts you, we're talking, we're going into the final weekend going, here we go, there's yeah. a chance, here's what's got to happen. Yeah, All right. Right. So the idea that at 3-5, and five, that they're out of it, no way. No way are they out of it at this point. You sold me. Did I? I like it. I, I, no, I can't. I was wait. just kidding about it all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's shut him down. Let's yeah. shut Russell down. Yeah. What are you going to say? I'm excited for the Packer game now. Like, I think this will... To me, of the of the have not, of the haves, yeah. that's going to be the hardest one. It's in Green Bay. My guess is, is that Geno Smith's going to play. Yeah. Even if he doesn't, Russell Wilson's first game back, broken yeah. finger, Against probably something on, something on his hand. I don't know. I, I, I'm not excited because I think they're going to win. I'm excited because it'll be kind of a litmus test to see if this team's legit or not, if, if they can hang, hang with the big boys. Well, the answer to that has been no. Okay, well. But, but, but if, I'm saying, like, if Russell comes back and maybe they're inspired, you know, they made a little, little made a move on defense to, to get rid of our buddy Trey we'll Flowers. See. They look a little more inspired. You got some time. You got a little off week. Get yeah, healthy. Yeah. See if he can come back. Yeah, it'll be. I, I don't know. Maybe you're, there's a there's an argument. I don't think that'll it'll ever be made because if, if the day that Russell Wilson says I'm ready, they've got to play him. If the doctors say okay, yeah. But I'm not so sure that Russell Wilson trying to get back earlier than maybe he should be is gives them a better chance than if Geno plays the way he played against Chad. Look, I'm not saying Geno Smith's better than Russell. I know Wilson, what you're saying though. But yeah. is Geno Smith? better than Russell Wilson at 60%. Right, that's right. I mean, if he's not going to be able to grip the ball all that well, that feels or, he, or he's he's in jeopardy of banging a thing up and re-breaking, I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. It, 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 it strikes me that when he says, when he walks into that, that building and he says, my doctor says I can play, I'm ready, he's going to play regardless of what the situation is. Yeah, I agree with but you. But that could get ugly. That could get ugly. It'll be scary that first game back Especially out there. with their offensive line. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, running for his life with uh, a, a finger he just, just broke. That center, <laughs> that center position. Yeah, yeah. Ethan Posick now back. Did you see the the play that I tweeted out? Have you seen it? Uh, maybe. <sighs> Which one was it? Ethan Posick just Ethan Posick just whiffing. I mean, literally Uh-oh. whiffing on a pass on a pass protection. Just oh, couldn't get God. his hands on anyone. Uh, he went after one guy, and the guy went right around him and sacked. You know, I mean, it was awful. Yeah, it's awful. Anyway, and that's what Russell's coming back to. He should look Welcome forward home. to it. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back, Russell. Welcome back. Anyway, anything else to add before well, we talk the, or anything? No, or? that'll be in the. Yeah, we got a ton of stuff in the other stuff segment. Oh yeah, that's yeah, true. But okay. I want to do. Uh, I want to do the um, the three interviews. Okay. One of which is with the uh, maybe the greatest performance in the history of an opposing team player in uh, in Husky Stadium. Not history. better than Corey Dillon, Mitch. 
Not bad. I love your response. One response was, please reread the question. God. It's not that hard, folks. <laughs> I know. It's not oh, that it's hard, so folks. Funny. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, okay, we'll get to the three interviews and then the other stuff. All righty, it's been too long, way too long since we got a little update on the new Kirkland branch of Cross Country Mortgage. J-Flow, Jordan Flowers is in the house. J-Flow, how's the transition gone to Cross Country? Hey, it's good to be back. It's been a great transition. Thanks for having me back on. I didn't know if you were still doing these <laughs> or what. I don't know, but <laughs> it's been a phenomenal transition. It's been great. I got to give a special shout out. You got listeners everywhere, Mitch. And the gentleman that is the area manager for the space we've been in in Bellevue, his name's Alfred Northcutt. He came up and talked to me getting coffee in the space the other day. He's a big fan big nice. listener and he's been phenomenal to work with here so alfred thank you appreciate Tr- all you've tremendous. done for us throw some numbers at us jordan 30-year fixed refinance opportunities how's the selling market i understand you personally went through the sale and purchase of a new home i'm assuming cross-country mortgage handled that <laughs> cross-country did handle it and did a phenomenal job thank you cross-country uh, <laughs> we did sale it was a great sale phenomenal sale and we are moving into our new house here soon 30-year fix rates conventional conforming 30-year fixes at three to three three seven five depending on credit and purchase versus refi or cash out people are still looking to do home improvements what have you there Um, Some are still calling in lower in the interest rates. So low threes right now with the conventional 30-year and then jumbo rates, loan amounts higher than 748 right now are kind of high twos, 275 to 3%. And Cross Country's always been a leader in new construction packages available. That's right. We talked about it a little bit last time and I've gotten several phone calls with listeners. But yes, we are a market leader with custom construction builds and love talking to everybody that's calling in about it. And how do we call in? How do we contact the new Kirkland office of Cross Country Mortgage? You can always text and call me on my cell phone, 425-890-2957, or you can email me and the team all at once at teamflowers at myccmortgage.com. Nice. You've got the name, you've got the number, the new Kirkland office of Cross Country Mortgage, terrific partners and sponsors of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. Nine passes, nine completions. Going for number 10. He's going to the sideline. Oh, what a catch made by DK Metcalf. Oh, my goodness. And there is Travis Homer looking for the end zone and getting it on the onside kick. Defense did a fantastic job all day long, uh, really across the board, and uh, and just did what we'd hoped they would do. We continue to get better. We can see it. We're proving it, and uh, we need to keep counting on it as we, we head in the second half here. Seahawks, no table time. Joey Vegas, Joey Contusion, Brady Henderson, ESPN.com. The Seahawks win. The Seahawks win to get the three and five. Taco time, NW.com slash careers. We're about to be identifying who did work for the Seahawks because this family-owned business needs people that are looking to do some work at Taco Time. Virtual interviews for 15 minutes at tacotimenw.com slash careers. Seahawks 31, Jaguars 7. Brady, let's start with you. I normally would ask you why the Seahawks won. I'll ask Joe that same question. But before we do that, I read somewhere, I think it was Bob Condota said, 
13,000 season ticket holders were trying to get rid of their tickets at the very last minute. 25 bucks on the open market. It was probably the smallest demand to go to a Seahawks game in a very long time because of the Seahawks start, because of Russell Wilson not playing, and because of the Seahawks opponent. Could you sense... What can you describe tangibly you felt in that stadium on Sunday against the Jaguars? Yeah, it did not make a huge difference in terms of like how loud it seemed. And we're always getting kind of a muffled version of that because we're in the press box and it's enclosed and all that. But, I mean, I, I took a video of it uh, and I was going to tweet it out, but I forgot to. But there were a lot of empty seats, way more than I can ever remember seeing. I mean, last week there were some. Uh, just because it was, you know, obviously a terrible weather game and they had lost two in a row. But this was just something you don't see. I mean, I, I think the listed attendance was uh, 67,000 and change, uh, 67,243. And I, I can tell you that there were more empty seats than I can ever wow. remember seeing there. Wow. And, I, and I, you know, I really wonder if um, part of the thinking in going forward on fourth down was needing to give the crowd a jolt. And maybe that's a situation where they would have done it anyways. But I just remember thinking in that situation, this crowd has not had that much to cheer about in a while. There's not as many people there as there usually are. And maybe that factored in, uh, even if it was just slightly into the thinking to go for it when uh, Geno Smith punched it in on that quarterback sneak in the first quarter. Joe, you've been around Seattle all your life. You both cover the team, and you grew up, I'm imagining you grew up as a fan of the team. I did not. Have you ever been less stoked to watch a Seahawks game, either here or from afar, than Geno Smith versus the Jacksonville Jaguars with the Seahawks at 3-5 and five on the season? There have been games not in a long time. I recall Charlie Whitehurst started games, and, I mean, there are – there are moments that this team, you know, in its history, and I could go back and look up specific games where you're like, yeah, gosh, who cares? But but this is the first time in a long time where the Seahawks game in the scope of a Sunday slate has been irrelevant. That's just a rarity. It doesn't happen with Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll and, and the stars that have been uh, on the Seattle roster. Obviously, that Russell Wilson, you're just not going to have the enthusiasm to watch Geno Smith play football especially when you've already seen two games from him. It's not the, oh, well, well, what has he got? Maybe we'll get to see from the backup, and maybe he brings some juice, and it's something different and, and exciting and whatever. We haven't seen him start a game yet. But, but you, they, you know, the movie has played out twice now, and it wasn't good. And, you know, after a, a really ugly performance on Monday night against the Saints, yeah, I don't blame anyone for saying, you know what, I'd rather just sell my seats, watch the game from home, get some yard work done, do some whatever stuff around the house get prepped for trick-or-treating with the kids. Um, I think it all makes plenty of sense. And, yeah, so I guess it, it, it's uncharted territory for this team. Brady, why did the Seahawks win? Was it more about the Seahawks or more about the Jaguars? Well, you know how much I love this question. It was definitely both. And, you know, for all of – you know, this was their most complete performance in recent memory. I, I cannot remember as dominant of a win uh, the last time they had this dominant of a win. And it was really kind of a throwback to some of those great Seahawks teams of old where – it seemed like this was the Seahawks that we had watched for a number of years and, and not the team that's, you know, hanging by a thread at two and five and losing three straight games. You got to, we, I think, as, as encouraging as it was 
you've got to put it in context. This is a one-win Jaguars team. Huh? Um, a one-win was... what? Uh, hold on. A one-win what? A one-win How do you what? say it? What? No, no, you what say it. No, you say it. Jaguars. No. <laughs> no. Are you trolling us, Brady? You're trolling Jaguars. us. No. Jaguars? Jaguars. Jaguars. Never heard of them. I've heard of the Jaguars. Okay. This was a one-win team, and you know they lost their best <laughs> offensive player early in the game when when James Robinson went down, and so yeah, um, 30th ranked defense. So that I think adds context to what Geno Smith did against that defense. But look, the Seahawks aren't good enough to be you know sort of scoffing at <laughs> which teams they beat and all that. And uh, I think it was it was a resounding enough performance all the way around offense, defense, and special teams with uh, some of the coverage plays they made, that, that late return uh, by Travis Homer on the onside kick. It was just a complete performance and really the type of feel-good win that they needed. Uh, yes, it did come against a bad team. So that is, I think, what we have to keep in mind. Feel good, Joe. Do you feel good? I think it's worth feeling good about given how bad it's been the last couple of weeks. You beat up on a bad team, and that means something. We've seen this team let bad teams hang around. This felt like the Jets game from a year ago where they just embarrassed the Jets from Jump Street. They dominated this game comprehensively uh, on both sides of the football. It's nice to see a team that's even one that's struggling as mightily as, as the Seahawks had been. Geno Smith hadn't been playing well. But you know what? You never want to be in a conversation where you're competitive or the Jaguars are competitive with you. That, that would be a new low. Had the Jaguars hung around in this game or, or God forbid they won it would it would feel like rock bottom in Seattle and in the season being over no matter how soon Russell Wilson gets back and what happens the rest of the way so I do think this win as decisive as it was it, it, it gets good vibes going into the bye week and then the hope that maybe Russell Wilson returns on the other end Brady do you know the name Fred Ridley he's the wasn't he or isn't he the chairman of Augusta National he is the chairman the of Augusta National very good Brady, let's assume Fred Ridley appeared on your boat at the front door. Is there a front door of your boat? I don't know how that works with a boat. Is there a front door, a back door, side door? There's a, a, door? a door on the on the port side, on okay. the starboard side, and then there's a door on the back. Let's assume. Would you, oh, excuse me, the aft. Would you would you recognize Fred Ridley if he showed up at the door of your boat? If he's wearing a green jacket, yeah, I probably <laughs> would. Let's assume Fred Ridley came to your your boat tomorrow and he said, "Are you Brady Brady Henderson? I've come all the way." from Augusta, Georgia, to offer you this deal. <laughs> I if, like where this is going. Okay. If you accurately, accurately tell me yay or nay on whether Russell Wilson is going to play against the Green Bay Packers, I'm going to have you for a weekend on me. I'm going to send a private plane to pick you up, bring me, wow. Wow. bring you to Augusta National. You're going to stay on the grounds in the Bobby Jones cabin and you're going to play unlimited golf for a week and be my <laughs> guest. But you have to get, you have to get this answer right. You know. Well, the let me hem and, let me hem and haw a little bit before I give you my answer. I, I I think that it is. I mean, when everybody saw the reported timeline of four to eight weeks that was initially reported by my colleagues at ESPN, I, I believe that timeline was accurate. But I think a lot of people, because we know how quick of a healer Russell Wilson is. We know what type of competitor he is. I think everybody just assumed that, yeah, it's going to be four weeks. And, uh, you know, four weeks would basically put him back at the start of next week. So giving him a week to prepare for the November 14th Green Bay game. And my sense just from what I've seen and what I've heard is 
I'm starting to think it is more likely that he's going to be back for that Arizona game the following, or or just at the very least that he's not going to be back uh, for that for that Green Bay game. I don't know that for certain. I'm not reporting that that's what's going to happen. I'm just telling you that that's the sense I'm getting. That it's I am less confident that that's going to happen uh, than I was when this whole thing started. And part of it is that um, you know Wilson has the stitches out. Uh, of his surgically repaired right middle finger. He is making, according to Pete Carroll, all of the strides uh, that he should be making, um, but he has yet to have the pin removed. And the pin, if you saw the picture that Wilson tweeted, I mean, the pin is basically sticking out of his finger. And I guess the idea is that, um, you know, once it's ready, you just pull that pin out as opposed to having to open the, uh, open, you know, open the wound up again and go in oh there and actually God. surgically okay. do it. You just I got it. basically pull it out. So I've grossed you okay. out enough already. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that pin has not been out. And as of Friday, nobody knew, nobody had really any idea when the pin was going to be out. And again, he's obviously has to have the pin removed before he can start throwing. And so right. I, I'm not saying he's not playing in that game. I'm just saying I'm much less confident so than I was earlier. So your answer to Fred Ridley would be? M- Mr. Ridley, the answer is no. The answer is no. I'll have you both know, you guys both remember Steve DeBerg. Do you remember Steve DeBerg, the quarterback? Yes, quarterback for the Falcons. Well, he played for the 49ers. He played for the Dolphins. He actually had, now it was on his left hand, and he was a right-hander, so he wasn't throwing. But he, let, he literally had that pin that you're talking about sticking out of his finger. He played in a playoff game. He played in a Dolphins playoff game. They casted that hand up or did whatever they did, casted that finger up. He played with the pin protruding from the finger in a playoff game for the Dolphins back in the day. I kid you not. I might be making that up, but I don't think I am. Anyway, all right, so Fred Ridley. It's a good story. It's a good story if it's true. That's the, uh, that's the motto of the, of the uh, note table. I might be making that up, but yeah. it's a good story. Yeah, I didn't rhyme it, though, so there's, there's that. Uh, all right, so Brady Henderson is saying a slight lean towards he will not play against Green Bay. By the way, I think you just said it. Maybe you didn't. If he were to play against Green Bay, it would be five weeks and two days removed from surgery. He had surgery on a Friday after a Thursday night game, and then it would be five weeks and two days to the Green Bay game after the bye week. This was a remarkably easy game in a lot of different ways. You guys both talked about it. I'll just ask you a couple of negative... I, I hate to ask too many negative questions after 31-7, but Joe, Joe's my guy. I can always go to him with some negative Seahawks questions, so I'm a little concerned that they're still not throwing to the tight end. I don't understand why. They got two good ones. I think they made one catch. I may, I may be wrong. Again, I might be making that up. And how did uh, Ethan Posich, Posick, you can call him anything that Brady wants you to call him. How did he look on Sunday playing center for the Seattle Seahawks, especially in the in the highlight that I tweeted out? I don't know if you saw the highlight that I or the low light that I tweeted out. Go ahead, Joe. I do agree. I'm glad you brought it up because if you didn't, I was going to. That Geno Smith had 20 completions. 18 of them were to Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. And it was good to see Tyler Lockett come out of hibernation. He had been quiet so much of these last couple of years. He's been such an immense boomer bust type player. We'll have these games where he goes for a buck 50 and three touchdowns. And and then you'll have a, a month long span where he never tops 50 yards. And we've been seeing that lately with him where the production after those first couple of weeks where he was, he was going off, um, he's been really quiet. Uh, for well more than a month now. That was good to see. But this offense still just remains, it's not balanced. Rashad Penny, seven carries, seven yards. 
it, I mean, Alex Collins' production dwarfs that with 10 carries for 44 yards. So Rashad Penny continues to be a non-factor. The passing game, you only have two guys who are who are dominating targets and receptions. It just, it just, it, it's hard not to feel like Seattle is so easy to game plan for when you know that those are the two guys that are going to beat you. And they're hard to stop because they are such immensely talented guys. DK Metcalf dominated Shaquille Griffin in his return back to Seattle. One play going full Randy Moss, catching a pass over him in the red zone. And then another one, you know, a nice crisp route on the other side of the end zone, uh, beating him for a second time. But again, when you play good defenses and good defensive coordinators who can watch a week of film and say, we can limit these two dudes. Let's see if Will Disley and Gerald Everett can take over a game. And we just haven't seen it. Will Disley, invisible all year. Gerald Everett has had moments where you say, gosh, why aren't they finding different ways to get this guy the football? They've been unable to do so. And this is the second straight year they've made a big investment in a free agent tight end to get nothing out of them. So whether or not they're just investing in the wrong guys or potentially we owe an apology to Greg Olson, who I was leading the charge of this guy was a, largely a waste of money and not giving you the production that, that would warrant this, the $7 million contract that he signed. Well, I think right now maybe you're saying, okay, maybe it's the team and the scheme and the quarterbacks and not necessarily just the players because Gerald Everett, I think we all look at it and say, gosh, this is the talented dude. Why is he not more involved and more productive on a consistent basis? Mm. Well, uh, I'm glad. You didn't mention the center. You want to talk about the center? I mean, it's not great. But <laughs> it's I think not it's, great. What? It's not great. It, but you're not going to get great. You didn't invest. In, you didn't invest to get I'll great. Take, I'll they, take. I'll take mediocre. Going into the year. How about mediocre? At times. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it was mediocre. Didn't look mediocre to me out there. Anyway, all right. Defensively, uh, has Jamal Adams put together two solid games in a row, Brady? In your estimation? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think everybody is still waiting for that humongous splash. You know. 17 and a half million dollar a year play that hasn't really happened yet but you know there was the two nice plays late uh in the game last week against new orleans with you know the the pass breakup uh when he came out of blitz against Jameis whitson and then the you know closing on that the uh, deep ball to help force the incompletion and then i think he had 10 tackles in this game it's something it's not what you want from a 70 million dollar a year player but you know when you make 10 tackles i think you're you're playing pretty well they're just just waiting on that big splash play, I think. All right, we're to the uh, point of the show where we ask the question of the boys. Thanks to Taco Time Northwest and their continuing search for great employees, who was doing work in the 31-7 blowout victory for the Seahawks over the Jaguars? Did you know as we do this that if the season ended today, which it doesn't and it's stupid to even talk about, your Carolina Panthers at 4-4, four and four, would be the third wild card with Sam Darnold teetering on the brink of extinction. I don't know if I said that right, but whatever. It's late. Is he a dinosaur? Yeah, he's, on he's a, going he's extinct. A dinosaur. Uh, he's, they're 4-4 four and four and in the playoffs. This is how close the gap is for that last playoff spot in the NFC is. Who was doing work? I'll take the obvious one and then leave you two guys to do the, the heavy lifting. I'll just say 12 catches. Nice to see Tyler Lockett play again as Joe just pointed out Tyler Lockett had been kind of a, a non-factor the last several weeks especially with Geno in a quarterback but he was targeted early and often I think he may have even had 10 by halftime 9 or 10 by halftime great day for Tyler Lockett probably scored on a touchdown that they took away from him so my 
doing work Seahawk for Taco Time was Tyler Lockett. Joe? Yeah, interesting you mentioned Tyler Lockett. I just having the numbers in front of me. I should have mentioned them earlier. He hadn't had more than 57 yards in a game since week two. 31 yards, 24 yards, 57 yards, 35 yards, 12 yards. So he had largely been MIA. I agree. Good to see him back uh, and productive all game long, early and often. 12 catches on 13 targets. That's the kind of efficiency we expect to see from Tyler Lockett. Um, DK Metcalf doing work. Uh, I, I don't know why I stole that from maybe potentially Brady, but I want to give some love to Ryan Neal, who had a sack and two quarterback hits. Uh, not to take an unfair shot at Jamal Adams, but Ryan Neal seems to be, I mean, him and him and uh, Quandre Diggs seem to be the safeties that come up with those splash plays Brady was alluding to. He now has a sack and two quarterback hits, and uh, you know more than Jamal Adams has this year. And uh, you know he continues to be a guy who always feels like he makes the most of his opportunities. Um, an easy guy to root for, uh, fun player. He was you know, one of you know kind of a fun breakout guy a year ago, and has continued to to really earn his keep in Seattle, and and shows that he could be a mainstay on this roster for years to come. Brady? Well, I can't believe you guys left me Geno Smith. I'm going to take Geno Smith. He okay. Was, well, yeah, when you said the obvious one, I thought you were going to go with Geno Smith. And not that 20 of 24 for, what is it, 195 yards is like this monster, monster day. But this was by far the best we've seen Geno Smith play. I mean, completing his first 14 passes, uh, the first incompletion uh, was, what, a throwaway? Uh, when he you know, did a nice job to avoid a sack there. The rushing touchdown where he did his sort of Cam Newton impression at the goal line, the two passing touchdowns, no turnovers again. This is exactly what you want a backup quarterback to do, to be efficient, to be sort of you know the point guard that Pete Carroll talks about what he wants his quarterbacks to be. Now, this wasn't, I guess, ideal in that regard when it was 12 catches for one receiver and six catches for another, and then only two other guys caught passes. So there wasn't like the the ideal distribution, but it was the ideal, I think, efficiency, 20 of 24, uh, according to our great stats guys at ESPN, that was tied for the fourth best completion rate of any game in Seahawks history at uh, 83.3%. The 14 straight completions to begin a game was the most by any quarterback in the NFL this season. So that's what you want from Geno Smith. And, and these were not, this was not just like you know, dump off screens and checkdowns like easy throws. I mean, that throw to, to Metcalf at the goal line, that was perfect. And Metcalf had an interesting comment there talking about how he appreciated the trust that uh, Geno Smith showed in him. And, and he, I think he mentioned that that was like one of the only times that that's happened. So it sounds like to me a, a plea for a guy to get more jump ball situations at the goal line. But, you know, there was also that nice lob throw to Tyler Lockett on the crossing route. So there were some tough throws among those 20 that he completed. And uh, Geno Smith was doing work. Very good. Uh, thanks to Taco Time. I, I think I, I, I want to end there. I'll say that you can trust the Seahawks. No table will be around all year. A couple of shows each week, one on the, the free Monday show, and then, of course, one for patrons. You might ask why you can trust the Seahawks. No table. Well, 67% of the no table accurately projected the outcome of the uh, Seahawks-Jaguars game. So you have that going for you, which is nice. I, I want to revert back to Brady. I want to end with the Russell Wilson, because the three of us may not be together until just before the Packers game again. I want to go back and ask kind of a silly question. Maybe it's a silly question, maybe it's not. Is this just as simple as doctor says it's safe for me to play so you're in, Russell. Or is there any chance 
that the doctor would say, okay, I'll give you a safe to play. And then he goes out there and you got to put something on your hand and he doesn't look very good in practice. And Pete Carroll might say that he has a decision to make as the head coach and he doesn't quite think Russell Wilson is ready. So he's going to go with, he's going to go with Geno Smith against the, is there any possibility that that scenario can play out or is it just as simple as I don't care how shitty I look on Thursday and Friday before before the Packers game if the if the surgeon says I can play I'm playing no I I think that's fair I think that that's something that Carol would obviously take into account and I think Wilson you know even if he got the go-ahead he would want to you know even being the ultimate competitor that he is he would want to make sure that you know he's not risking further injury to his hand and that um you know that that he he would want to make sure that he feels good. Now that's that would obviously be a, probably an agonizing decision on his part because I'm sure that you know he wants to get back as soon as possible. But yeah, I mean it, it, the question sort of reminds me of 2010 when you remember there was that basically de facto NFC Championship game and, and Matt ha- or NFC West title game and Matt Hasselbeck had you know strained a butt muscle the week before and then it was you know unknown until uh, the week of that or the basically kickoff of that week 17 game who he would start and, and Carroll's point was that you know Hasselbeck could play but he would not have had the mobility that he would need that he would have needed to basically survive against a tough defensive front so the point in telling that story is that yeah I, th- I think there is some some merit to that idea so Pete Carroll would have the cojones to say to a cleared Russell Wilson a medically cleared Russell Wilson I'm going with Gino this week well I mean I I think if it came to that maybe Wilson would be in agreement remember Wilson was according to Pete Carroll was you know on board with the with the sort of when they came to the conclusion in the Rams game that he just couldn't throw it again I think as as much of a competitor as Wilson is he's I would imagine that he's realistic enough to know when he can and can't go okay that's it boys you guys are the best Uh, I'll tell you what let's take this week off since there's no game to preview on Thursday between the Seahawks and anybody and then we'll reconvene in a week's time for the patrons We'll reconvene and we'll go through that off the off the show's air. Who Joey the Vegas. Uh, we'll talk about that. I, I, you know, when a guy here's the thing. When a guy shanks one, you kind of stay out of his way. <laughs> you don't you don't bring it up. You just walk to the next tee. You're like Brady and I are kind of walking down the fairway. We're walking towards the par three green. Joe's on his own. Brady's looking at Mitch. Mitch is looking at Brady. Like, did you see that? I saw that. I don't even want to discuss it. Let's just leave him alone. You got to give a guy some space. Sometimes you got to give a guy a space. And a guy who literally picked the Jaguars to come in here and win needs some space right now. Needs some space. So I'm I'm here to give it to him. And I'm not going to mention. I'm not mentioning who it is. I'm not even mentioning who it is on the show. Can I tell a quick story? You you just said you just spent 30 seconds talking about who it is. Me and Brady, Brady Mitch, Mitch Brady, talking about. Did you see that? I'll give you. I'll give you a a quick little story. Hold on, Joe. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, I want the story. A a quick little story to (laughs) to take some of the heat off Joe because I had a very embarrassing golf moment of my own uh, this weekend. I was playing Harbor Point. And, you know, it had not rained in Seattle in several days, but it had rained so much before that that the ground is just saturated. And I'm walking on 18, and if people can picture the 18th hole at Harbor Point, there's that huge slope 
basically between your second and third oh, shots no. as you go to the green. No. You know exactly where this is going. And no. I just had a total brain cramp and just no. for I had been walking in on this grass the entire day, knew exactly how wet it was. My sho shoes were soaked oh, on the no. first hole and I just forgot you lost it. I'm going down this walking down this hill and when you're walking down a hill and eventually you start running down it because your momentum builds up. And if anybody has ever seen the movie um, My Cousin Vinny, which is my favorite movie ever, and there's the scene where he steps out of his car better and he or slams worse the door. than Ted Lasso. Better or worse? Oh, much better. <laughs> okay. Much better. There's the scene where uh, where Joe Pesci's character, you know, shuts the car door and immediately just slips on his rear end and he's covered in mud. Yeah, uh, that was me. And 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 remember, I'm just sorry. I'll, I'll keep going here. Remember, he has his clothes are so covered in mud that he has to show up to court. Uh, dressed like a, a bellboy because he has to go get the, the red suit from like whatever store and the judge asks him if he's on drugs. So my version of that was my clothes, my pants and my uh, sort of half zip was so covered in mud that I had to, I couldn't get in my car. Like I wasn't, I wouldn't get in my worst enemy's car with that much mud on my clothes. Ooh. So I basically took my pants off uh, I got I, and I drove home in my underwear. That's the upshot of the story. I drove home in my underwear. <laughs> You're very kind. So you walked from your parking spot to the boat in your underwear. I did. I'm proud of you. Did any of your neighbors see you? They were probably impressed. I don't think so. But but do you feel any less embarrassed uh, now after me telling that story, Joe? That was the whole point of it. That's a, at least it was 18. You know what? For all the grief that I got from Mitch uh, about being in Vegas on Thursday, it's been 75 degrees and perfect sunshine here. <laughs> I've been golfing at TPC Summerlin in ideal, immaculate conditions. I'm sure you have. Uh, with no mud of any kind anywhere to be seen. Good so you. you deserve uh, it. Must be nice. Humble brag to you end. deserve it. That'll be my humble brag to end the show. You deserve it, Joey Vegas, Joey Contusion, Joey Memphis. All right, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. That's the... That's the Seahawks no table. This is what we do. We just uh, shoot the shit a little bit about the Seahawks and everything else that's going on in the world. Um, thank you, Joey. Joey in, uh, in Vegas. Hit him straight at Summerlin. Appreciate you guys. And uh, Brady Henderson, ESPN, ESPN.com. Follow him very closely over the next 10 or 12 days, and he'll be, uh, he'll be probably the first to tell you whether he's going to Augusta or not going to Augusta. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Brady. Thank you. Hey, let's catch up with Dan Black, the president of Zeke's Pizza. Dan, what's this I'm hearing about? Boys trips to Wrigley Field, Soldier Field, the big house at uh, Ann Arbor. What happened? Yep, I'm doing my homework for you this fall, Mitch. I did a bunch of sports stuff. I went to yeah, I went to Wrigley, saw the Cardinals play the Cubs, saw Notre Dame, Wisconsin, and Soldier Field in Chicago. That was cool, but the big house was a treat too. Went and saw the Huskies play. News for you: Huskies aren't very good. Uh, that's what your listeners are here for: is a bunch of Captain Obvious sports analysis from the pizza guy. Yeah. What was the best fan experience of the three? The big house was really cool. I had been to Wrigley Field and Soldier Field before, and so the big house was new, and it, it lived up to the billing for sure. Fall means football season. Tell me about the Black family go-to order. Does it change in the fall? Yeah, you know, we, we get a lot of pizza delivered this time of year for football games, like most people, and we, we do the Zeke's football pies. We do Legion of Shroom and Beast Mode. They're both really good. Nice. And how about a beer? 
that you've been downing recently? Yeah, you know, it's fresh hop season, and we've talked about those before. So they're harvesting hops down in Yakima this time of year. And so a lot of the brewers do fresh hop, particularly IPAs. And we got fresh hop versions of two of the famous Zeke's beers going right now. So I've been ordering Zeke and Destroy and Lateral A. Both are really good. Nice. Download the Zeke's Pizza app. The Levy family's been using the heck out of the Zeke's Pizza app lately. And get some fresh pizza, some great beers, some salads delivered right to your door. Zeke's Pizza continues to be a great partner of Mitch Unfiltered, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Here's the give. Walker! Uh-oh. Oh, and it's intercepted by Nakomi Dean. Goodbye. Dean is gone. Touchdown, Georgia. Harris drops back. Airs it. In zone. Cuts. Touchdown, Washington. Jalen McMillan. And the Huskies have taken the lead. TacoTimeNW.com slash careers. We want you, local family-owned company, Forever needs new people and is offering great perks and even signing bonuses. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Neuheisel, the CBS college football analyst who was on the bandwagon or on the wagon for about one week, and now he's fallen back off the wagon thanks to his dear friend, Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> 30 to 14 lead, Rick Neuheisel, we had, and I had lots of money on it at the Snoqualmie casino and i'm having nightmares about this running back what's his name kenneth walker the fourth something like the that third. the third yes kenneth walker the third a transfer uh, a man who used the portal to whisk himself from wake forest oh. to michigan stake oh uh yeah so go figure but he is the uh he has put himself right in the middle of a Heisman race, Mitch. Yeah, that's not making me feel any better, Rick Neuheisel. We had we, we were up 30 to 14 in this game. <laughs> Give Mel Tucker and the Michigan State Spartans all the credit in the world for their resilience, their beautiful play down the stretch. They're the real deal. It'll be fun to watch them close. And I'll tell you one thing that happened, regardless of uh, what takes place in the month of November, Mel Tucker made himself some money. Uh, whether it's to stay at Michigan State, because there will be some overtures for Mel Tucker to head to SC, to head to LSU. He'll be uh, he'll be in that hunt. He'll be in that conversation, and it'll be uh, it'll be fun for his agent to field those calls. So Harbaugh, your buddy Harbaugh, is now three and nine, as I understand it, versus Michigan State and Ohio State in his 12 games since he became the head coach of Michigan. That's not going to cut it, but it seems like, I guess, Wolverine fans and boosters and alum, they're okay with that, I guess. Let's remember that he's having a banner year. He's 7-1. He's still alive. He's got Ohio State in the big house later this year. Uh, he can get back on the right path and, you know, in all likelihood – have himself sitting there at uh, if they go and play better at Penn State. Yeah, have himself sitting there at ten and one when they when the Buckeyes come to town, and that would be a banner year given the expectations that came in. But there's no question he's got a little bit of a uh, hex on him right now when he's playing top ten teams on the road. He hadn't beaten one I think since 2006. Well, I don't think he's gonna 
even at the big house, I don't think he's beating Ohio State. Do you think he's beating Ohio State at the end of the year? No. I actually like Ohio State to win the league. Uh, I think they're playing well. I thought Penn State played spirited, which was my expectation. But at the end of the day, I think Ohio State, Olavi, Wilson, Stroud, and this running back, Henderson, are a quartet hard to deal with. All right, so we're going to get our first college football playoff ranking this week on Tuesday of this week. We've got the storyline clearly. I I think the storyline is the no-loss teams, the undefeated teams versus the one-loss team. So you've got Georgia, who's clearly been the best team in the country so far, especially with their route of Florida over the weekend. You've got, I guess, Oklahoma, Cincinnati, Michigan State, even Wake Forest that are undefeated. And then you've got that high-powered group of one-loss teams, Alabama, Ohio State, Oregon's got one loss, Michigan now got one loss, Notre Dame's got one loss. So two-part question, I, I find myself asking you this every year at this time. It's like Groundhog Day all over again. What will the committee do on Tuesday in terms of the top four? What will be the committee's top four in order? And then B, what should they do if Rick Neuheisel was in charge? I'm assuming those are two different top fours. Yeah, that's a great question. Listen, Georgia is going to be number one in all of it, right? That's a simple one. Yep. And I'm going to put Cincinnati in four hole in both of them because I think Cincinnati needs to be given the assurance that they're being regarded as a real candidate. Okay. I don't think they'll end up there, but I think this is an easy way for the committee and for me to say we're going to evaluate them and give them a fair shot. Okay. So I think Cincinnati in the four. So that, so that now leaves us for spots two and three of Oklahoma and wake and Michigan state. I think I'm going to go with Michigan state based on wins at Miami, based on a win against an undefeated Michigan team. And I'm going to put Michigan state in the two hole you or I am and the committee. Okay. I'm going to agree with the committee here because they're undefeated and their resume to me is legitimate. Then I'm going to put Alabama as a one-loss team in the three-hole, thinking that they're explosive, and I think the committee is going to find with me as well. I think they're going to have Alabama there. Hold on. Mitch Unfiltered is not Mitch Unfiltered. With Rick Neuheisel and the committee agreeing, what you're telling me here is, and I can't accept this. I'm telling you, we're in in sync here. No way. It can't be. It can't be that you guys are in sync. That's no fun. (laughs) I am just telling you that's where we'll be because you're sitting there going, my eyes are telling me one thing, but the records are telling me another. If this were the last weekend, Michigan State, and Cincinnati would not be in this group if this were the last weekend. And they're wanting us to all believe that this is the last weekend if it were today. The bottom line is, though, they're deserving of that mention, and it gives credibility to the process. So I'm going along with it, and I'm going to add that Oklahoma uh, will be sitting there in the five-hole Ohio State and Oregon will be six and seven. And I'm, I'm anxious to see if they go ahead and put Oregon ahead of Ohio State. My guess is they will not. 
So as a way of reviewing, both Rick Neuheisel and the committee are going to do the following. Georgia 1, Michigan State 2, Alabama 3, Cincinnati 4. Cincinnati 4. Oklahoma. Oklahoma 5. 5. And then a 6 and 7 between Oregon and Ohio State. Yeah. And they happen to And I'm going to put Ohio State at 6 and Oregon at 7. They won't do that. They'll they'll at this point this Watch. is well, okay. I think what we've learned in previous years is is when there's a head to head Maybe at the end they won't do it, but in the beginning they'll say, all right. You might be right. You might be right. You might be right. Uh, But I think they're going to lead us down that road so they don't have to fight that fight at the end. I think they're going to lead us down that road early and just say the way they're trending right now. And the other Oregon's lost Verdell. They're not as explosive as they once were. Brass tacks. Does Oregon make the final four if they win out and win the Pac-12 championship game or not? They're going to need Alabama to lose. But they don't need Ohio State to lose. They'll, they'll get in over Ohio State. No, I think they'll <laughs> – actually, <laughs> they would be more comfortable if Ohio State also lost. God. More comfortable. All right. Some of the other crazy happenings from the world of college football, Rick and I always on Mitch Unfiltered like to discuss some of the fun stuff that happened in college football. As a former quarterback – a former quarterback coach, I think a former offensive coordinator, certainly a former head coach, you must have loved the fact that Navy won a football game in 2021 without completing a pass. Did I see this correct? (laughs) They literally did not complete a pass. By the way, they were underdogs in the game. I can't remember who they beat, Tulsa or somebody? They beat somebody as an underdog and and didn't complete a pass. How is that possible in 2021? Army did the same thing last year. Yes, we we can always count on some (laughs) abnormality coming from our service academies. Yeah. And uh, a tip of the cap to Kenny Niamatololo. On another note. Yes. Hardly ever seen before. We had a head coach kicked out of a game this weekend. I was going to mention it. Correct. From Scott uh, Leffler, the head coach at Bowling Green. Yeah. And Mitch. In the 18 minutes that he was removed from the sideline, yeah, Bowling Green scored more points <laughs> than they had scored in the last two years in any one game. That's funny. That's funny. How about this? You can't make that up. How about this? SMU in the final 30 seconds decides to kick the ball deep. They don't squib kick it. And instead, they kick it to the most dangerous return man in the country who plays for Houston. And what does he do, Rick Neuheisel? He goes the distance. (laughs) He could go all the way. Yes, he did. That is a nightmare and then some for Sonny Dykes. Why not just squib it and make sure that he doesn't beat you? Oh, it all sounds so easy now, doesn't it, Mitch? (laughs) It all sounds so easy now. But when you mentioned that he was the most dangerous return man in the country, yeah, it does bear mentioning uh, that maybe that was ill-advised. Rick, uh, I do want to give Rick Neuheisel some credit here, even though he was wrong and he's officially, I think, one in seven on his picks this year, and he's put me mm. in the poorhouse. He's put Max Levy transferring from Washington to Bellevue College, even though all those things are true. <laughs> I do want to say 
that Rick Neuheisel said it's eerie that Wisconsin's actually favored over Iowa, but Wisconsin's going to beat Iowa anyway. They have it right, the odds makers, so you hit that one right. But how, how about this one for gamblers? How about this one? Clemson is playing <laughs> oh, Florida State. Don't don't even tell the story. It makes the hair on your back of your neck stand well, up. Why why does it make the hair on the back of your neck stand up when ha- half the world the other half of the world won on this, right? That's a good point. That's right. <laughs> I think I think I think bad beat though. The bad beat just trumps okay. that miracle win. Well, I guess I started it so I should say that it was 24 to 20 on the last play of the game. Clemson was beating Florida State, and they were giving nine and a half points. They're up four. And the over-under, by the way, was 47 and a half, so we're at under at 44. So it looks like it's going to be Clemson. Right. It looks like it's going to be Florida State, the underdog, plus nine and a half, and the under. Florida State's at, their, at the 33-yard line. They're not even in the shadows of their own end zone. <laughs> and they start this crazy, as we've seen it a million times, lateral thing. They lateral backwards, backwards some more, backwards some more. And before you know it, the ball's on the ground at the five-yard line. Clemson picks it up, runs it in, covers the spread, and makes it an over on the last play of the football game reminding all of us around the world why we have other jobs <laughs> and we're not professional gamblers. <laughs> oh. Mitch, it was the first cover of the year for Clemson. Is that right? They were over against the spread oh going into God. that game. That's amazing. It only tells us we are going to ride them throughout the rest of the year. That is how to turn things in the right direction. Couple of other notes before we get to your pick at one and seven. I'm putting it off as long as I can I can do it. <laughs> Was it not just about eight or ten years ago that Gary Patterson, the coach of TCU, was at the top? of the college football coaching world and was being rumored for big jobs here and big jobs there. And now eight or 10 years later, they don't want him anymore. They shipped him out on Sunday or told him this is the final year at TCU. Is that right? That's exactly what's happened. They told him that they'd like him to finish the season. He said, no, thank you. If you don't want me, I'll take my check and go home now. Listen, he was 22 years as the head coach at TCU. He took over when Dennis Franchione left there to take the Alabama job. Remember, that's how long ago long he took over. Ago. Yeah, he's a friend of mine. Plays a little guitar. He's a fun guy, but this job changes so drastically. And if you don't adapt with it, if you don't change with it, it will eat you up. And transfer portal. I mean, he's playing Sonny Dykes, a team that he used to beat all the time right across there for the iron skillet. They've lost the last two times to SMU because SMU has all these kids transferring back to Dallas. Gary didn't keep up with that particular trend. And if you don't keep up with every trend and create your own trends, this job will gobble you up. And we're seeing that right now. There's a number of guys out there in the country, in my mind, that are on the fence right now as to, am I really in for the long haul with this particular way of coaching, given the round the clock nature of portal NIL recruiting you, you name it. It's, it's out there. Let me flip it around for you. I don't know the guy's name. Shame on me. I should. The university of Texas at San Antonio. Is that right? 
Ten years. Yes. The guy got yeah, a ten Jeff year. Trailer. He got a ten year contract extension. He's in the top twenty five at UTSA. Why are we not discussing this guy for big head coaching job? Maybe he'll go to TCU. I don't know. Maybe he'll go to one of these jobs. No, I guess he can't now. That's why he got the ten year deal to keep Instead. him from taking the now vacant Texas Tech job. He's a Texas high school coach. Has done a whale of a job. The Roadrunners, as you mentioned, are eight and zero. They've got UTEP this week. UTEP is six and two on the year and three and one in conference, having a great job. Dana Dimmel, the coach there. But Jeff Trailer is a, a perfect example of a guy who's kind of trickle up high school. All the new offense is new to him. He's very accustomed to the Texas high school kids in terms of recruiting. It was a we're going to keep our own guy right here because the Roadrunners are happy with being ranked for the first time as a program. Washington State, I really, I know there's probably a lot of Cougs listening in that are saying, Mitch, ask him about Washington State. Nothing but controversy in the last several weeks with the head coach and the vaccination and the dismissal of him and a big portion of his staff. And all Washington, all those kids have done, Rick, is go out and win football games. They win at Arizona State. They control, they're going to have the Oregon game here in a week or two, I think after an off week or bye week. You got to admire what those guys and what the remnants of that coaching staff has been able to do with the Cougs, don't you? It, it, it's remarkable. I uh, pat them all on the back, and I, I think it's amazing what can be done when everybody kind of bands together. It also sends a signal that Arizona State might be in harm's way. We know there's an NCA investigation going on there. Uh, with Herm Edwards and his staff, three guys are on administrative leave uh, who were on the full-time staff to begin the season, haven't coached at all this year. Just wonder how long you can keep that together when the NCA comes knocking at their door. But a great win for the Cougars. And as you said, they get a bye week this week, and then they've got Oregon. They're at Eugene, but heck, anything can happen the way the Cougars are playing. And it's been a long time since the Huskies, the Dogs, have been able to go to Stanford, the farm, and win. I think you know what it's like to win there as the head coach of the University of Washington. But they hadn't won there in a long, long time. So that's a good win for an embattled staff like Jimmy Lake. And they were struggling for a good portion of the evening. They settled for three, up nine to three to get to 12 to three. It was late in the night, so you probably didn't see it back east. But at least they got out of there, out of the farm with a victory. That's good for them. Yeah, score tied. They throw a touchdown pass there yep. inside of a minute left. Yep. Uh, Dylan Morris, you know, that's got to be a feel-good moment. And as is always the case, as the dogs are in the hunt, and they are at three and two in the conference, and here comes Oregon at four and one, that place will be rocking. And we know what a very loud, boisterous Husky crowd can do to a ball game. So uh, I'm excited to watch that one this weekend. Are you sure that uh, that place will be rocking? I'm sure. I got a stat. I got a stat. Oregon. Go ahead. Oregon will always gets the Husky fans best. I would say that the Huskies would do well to get off to a fast start to get them engaged and have them be part of the uh, the scene for 60 minutes. I was flipping around on Saturday, Rick. I wasn't even going to bring this up to you, but I will now that we've talked about it for a second. I was flipping around on the TV, and I happened to see bits and pieces of a lot of the Pac-12 games this weekend. And I saw lots of empty stadiums, or what looked to be empty stadiums, and I was saying to myself, you know, boy, it just feels like the Pac-12, maybe outside of Oregon, 
is at a real – I mean, we know that it's at a low point, but even in terms of fan interest, now you might say COVID and people are scared to go back out just yet or what have you, vaccinations. Let me share with you a stat. There were six games this weekend in Pac-12 stadiums. Okay? UCLA and Utah played to a capacity crowd at Utah, and Colorado and Oregon played – to 95% capacity in Eugene. Outside of that, Washington State at ASU, there was 45,000 there, 70%. Homecoming at USC. Homecoming at USC, Arizona at USC, 52,000 people there, 68%. Oregon State at Cal, 38,000 people there, 62%. UW at Stanford, there were 27,000 people people at UW Stanford 56 percent the only thing I can say is it seems like boy people are not fans or the atmospheres of Pac-12 football have suffered greatly in the last many years college football playoff has been a nightmare for the Pac-12 we've had two teams that have had a chance to go and participate One in the early, the first year, that was Oregon, and they actually got to play for the championship. And then Chris Peterson's team, I believe it was 2016, when they went and played in the Peach Bowl against Alabama and got beat 24 to 7. That's it. No other team has been part of it. And because of it, all the recruits in the geographic footprint of the Pac-12, I'd say 80% of the five-star guys or high four-star guys have left. They want to go play in a college football playoff. Fans are realizing because the narrative on the television uh, has been always about who's in, they realize that we're watching a bunch of teams here on the West Coast who are already out. And because of it, Saturdays leave us many other options. It's really sad. It's the number one challenge for George Klyovkov, the new commissioner. He's got to make sure they have a plan not only to get great games early in the seasons like UCLA had against LSU, and I was there. It was a great crowd. Unfortunately, the Bruins haven't been able to produce since, and so it's a waning Rose Bowl crowd now. And you just have to get better players. The good news is the transfer portal allows a lot of these kids to come home. And much like Sonny Dykes did in Dallas, I'm saying that's what all these guys do. And Chris Peterson – and we, we talked about uh, Gary Patterson a little bit ago. Chris Peterson didn't want to do all that stuff. And I don't blame him. He had a wonderful career in the way it was done in the old days. The new way of doing it, you have to be a hustler and be able to get into all those marketplaces and create the kind of uh, roster that can compete for the big prizes. And if you're willing to do that, then you can bring these people back. Because I promise you, Washington fans, SC fans, UCLA fans, you name the fans, they'll all come if we're playing for the big prizes. Are you hearing any whispers about Chris Peterson jumping back in somewhere? I would whisper in his ear and tell him to do it. I would tell Chris Peterson, you go be the head coach at USC and I'll be your GM. You, <laughs> let me go let me go handle all the NIL deals. Let me go handle the transfer portal and all that stuff. I know you don't want to do it, Uh, but let me get you the guys. And then you go put that thing together. Chris uh, Peterson would be a wonderful coach there. He just didn't want to do all the pomp and circumstance. I'm a perfect pomp and circumstance guy. That is not hard to believe in the least. There's no question about that. Uh, You are a great pomp and circumstance guy. You are typically a great pick guy. 
2021 has not been your year. I believe you're now 1-7, and seven, and I've bet every one of them at the Snoqualmie Casino. I will bet the next one. In fact, the next one I might even bet in the nice city of Las Vegas because I'm going there for a visit. So here we are. We've come to that time of the show presented by Taco Time, nw.com slash careers. Where will Rick Neuheisel go for his weekly advice column on Mitch Unfiltered? It pains me to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. You said it last week. It pains me to take Jim Harbaugh. (laughs) No. I'm going a parlay. What? I'm going an an SEC parlay. I am taking Georgia and giving 35 to 38 points to Missouri. And I am I'm taking Alabama, and I'm giving the 28 or 29 to LSU. I am telling you, both those teams, now that we're in the impress the pollsters portion of the show, and by the way, Kirby Smart, I'm hearing, is ticked off that they have to play at noon again. I thought we were the number one team. I thought we should be in prime time, and that they're playing at noon in front of their crowd. And I think they're going to just absolutely destroy Missouri and I think the same will happen in Tuscaloosa at a six o'clock spot. And I'm taking the parlay and we're going to get some money back, Mitch. Okay. I have bet Alabama every week. It's the one thing that's kept my, I wouldn't say my head above water, but the Levy family knows is kind of close to the water's edge. We've been, ba- we've been playing Alabama since the beginning and they are, they are over 500. You just keep laying points, but we'll do that. The only thing I'm a little concerned about is Georgia coming off an emotional game with Florida. Is it possible? Don't worry. They They're come a little mad. flat. No, not They're mad. Flat. They're mad. They're mad. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Rick Neuheisel presented by Taco Time and TacoTimeNW.com slash careers. He joins us each and every week on Mitch Unfiltered. Take Georgia, lay the lumber. Take Alabama, lay the lumber. And meet Rick Neuheisel at the bank on Monday morning. <laughs> Rick Neuheisel. Thank you, sir. Thank you, my friend. See you next week. So here I am having a good week, feeling all great about myself. And then here she comes. There's no better person to remind me of my limitations than Katie Versio, senior financial planner of our partner at Evergreen Golf Call. Hi, Katie. Hi, Mitch. Thanks for having me back. Thanks for being back. Three questions more. And the theme today is tax reform. So this is a big hot topic in the news this year. The House just a few weeks ago recently released updates to their proposed legislation. And this is especially relevant for us. In 2020, Evergreen acquired a tax firm. Mm -hmm. So with the help of Evergreen Sterling Cooter, we put together a few questions. Yes, I knew that. I knew about the acquisition of the tax firm. Let's go. Question number one. I'd like to hit one out of the ballpark. One of these things. Go ahead. All right. So the first question, the proposed maximum tax rate is increasing to 39.6% starting at $400,000 for individuals or $450,000 for married couples. What's the current maximum tax rate? Is it 30%, 32%, 37% or 38%? Well, it's not 30. It's either 32 or 37. I'll say 32%. Oh, you sh- it was actually 37%. In this proposal, it would go from 37 to okay. 39.6. Got it. So it's up 2.6% in the highest bracket. Question number two. All right. This this might be one for you. This is true or false. Oh. <laughs> 
So this proposal repeals 1031 real estate exchanges, which allows you to sell investment real estate and defer capital gains tax by rolling it into another property. Is that true or false? Sounds true to me. It's actually false. Oh. Yes, it was uh, in the original proposal. They were recommending repealing it, but it is not in this version. So holders of investment real estate can hold a sigh of relief. Okay. I'm 0 for 2. I've got one last shot to get off the schneid and at least hit 333. Go ahead, Katie Versio. Okay, so this proposal recommends increasing the top capital gains rate from 20 to 25%. What is the starting date for this increase under this proposal? So is it starting January 1st, 2021? So going all the way back to the beginning of the year. April 30th, 2021. September 13th, 2021, or January 1st, 2022? September 13th is just too <laughs> obscure of a date for you to throw at me. Where would you come up unless it's your birthday or something? I'm going I'm going September 13th. I'm trying to read you, Katie. All right. Well, you got that one. You read me pretty well. <laughs> yes. So that was actually the date that the House released this updated legislation. So any gains that are incurred after that date will be effective at the new rate. That's fantastic. All right. I went one for three. And how do we find out some information if we want to know more about the tax firm that you guys acquired several months back. Yes. So anyone interested can reach out to me directly at my email, K-V-E-R-C-I-O at evergreengovcal.com or visit our website at evergreengk.com. And GovCall is G-A-V-E-K-A-L. Evergreen GovCall is everything wealth. Unfiltered. the quarterback empty backfield throws looking for cooper cup touchdown eastern washington adams on the move kikaha the pressure caught touchdown zach wimberly to score seven vernon adams touchdown passes today so where were you on September 5th, 2014? I know exactly where I was. The same place as our next guest, Vernon Adams Jr., Eastern Washington University in Oregon quarterback and now in the Canadian Football League. Vernon, thanks for being on Mitch Unfiltered. Where were you? Here's your trivia question, your first trivia question. Where were you on September 5th, 2014? <laughs> Yeah, man. First of all, Mitch, thanks for having me, man. Thanks for um, having me on the, on the show, on the podcast. So, um, but I believe I was at Husky Stadium, uh, and I believe our team was putting up some good numbers. But, yeah, I don't know. You correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe the greatest performance by opposing player, certainly an opposing quarterback in the history of that stadium. Let me see how good you are. Tell me your numbers that day. Um, I'm not sure about the completions and incompletions, but it was about 475 yards and uh, seven TDs, no interceptions. <laughs> uh, great, great game, but we lost. So that that's what that's what hits uh, every time that we lost. Um, High scoring game though, no defense being played at all. So it was good. <laughs> 30, 31 of 46. 475 yards, you got that number right, and seven touchdowns. 
You guys lost 59-52 was the final score. I was there watching in Mm. disbelief. Got to be the best game you ever played, the most fun game you ever played, or was it not? And if there was a one better, tell me where it was. Right. I would say that's the personally, that's the best game I've ever played. Um, it's not the most fun game because we lost, right. you know, but if we won, obviously there would have been the most fun and, and everything. But uh, like, yeah, it was just a great offensive game, you know, for both teams. And I think Washington, they ran the ball more because I don't think their quarterback. He was, he was decent, but he couldn't really throw that well. But, you know, I had guys like Cooper Cup and Kendrick Bourne, and yeah. and these guys are in the NFL right now, and they were just – they were going crazy, man. And the reason why we lost, to be honest, we had two fumbles on offense, and you guys got the ball – or UW got the ball back, and it was just tough, man. If we didn't have those fumbles, man, uh, we would have been good. <laughs> we would have got it. You're telling me you never played a better game in high school. You never played a better game in Pop Warner. You never played a better game in the CFL. Never a better game. Seven TDs and zero interceptions. <laughs> 475 yards. No, I didn't. No, that, was, that game was, was amazing. That was, like I said, uh, everything but the loss. But, uh, man, it was... It was definitely definitely a good performance by the offense that day, and um, it was yeah, awesome. Coach B Baldwin, uh, you know, Coach Baldwin, yeah. he, he just dialed it up. You got a little revenge the next year, didn't you? You came oh, back. Oh yeah, when I was at Oregon. Yeah, yeah, you came in here and won. So you you had the yeah. last laugh, VA. You had the last laugh. Oh yeah, I had to get those guys, man, because <laughs> you know my red shirt freshman year. I traveled to the game when we had Bo Levi Mitchell as our quarterback, and we only lost by three. Yeah. Uh, Trufant picked the game-winning, you know, interception, and um, and yeah, he he won the game with that. Then I came back, like you said, my my junior year, we lost, and had to come back with Oregon. I was like, man, I got to come back with some superpower guys, and and let's let's get it, let's get it done. <laughs> man. So I'm glad we got it done. We finally got those guys. I want to talk to you. One of the reasons that we reached out to Vernon Adams Jr. wasn't just to rub it into Husky fans that he threw for seven touchdowns and 475 yards, and then came in with Oregon. They weren't even supposed to win Oregon, and they won. I think it was the 12th or 13th consecutive win for Oregon over. Washington one of the other reasons Mm -hmm. I wanted to have you on the show was you broke your finger in that one year at Oregon now it's a different finger than Russell Wilson I think you broke your pointer finger right early in that season is that correct correct yeah tell us about that injury how'd you do it did you have to have surgery how did you recover from it and what are you thinking when you saw Russell Wilson's finger go in the opposite direction a few weeks ago against the Rams yeah man seeing that seeing Russell's finger like that man that was that was uh, didn't like it um you know but I'm I'm glad and I've been praying for him and I'm glad you know everything's getting better and I heard he was supposed to get the pin taken out this week or something like that so um yeah but other than that man it was tough man I broke it I was running and I slid and former Eastern Washington teammate or former teammate hit me you know it was Oregon versus Eastern Washington first game of the season right and um hit me and hit like his face mask hit my finger and it broke and um for me the healing process really was just just trying to let it rest and ice it up and 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 do what i can i tried to play the next game got a cortisone shot and played and couldn't feel it during the whole game and then after the game i broke it even more so i'm glad russ didn't try to do that or nothing like that and i know his finger was way worse than mine but yeah i'm just glad he didn't try to do that and he just keeps taking his time. But the, the toughest thing about it is it was on the throwing hand. And when you're throwing a football as a quarterback, the last finger that touches the ball is your pointy finger that gets you that spin 
that extra spin if you like throw it and that's yeah. the last finger that touches. So I couldn't get that spin and that's why I had to ultimately just sit out for I think three or four games and then had to come back and that first game I came back was against UW. Was anybody talking about surgery when you broke your finger or no? No, no surgery for me. I don't, mine wasn't as bad as Russell's, um, but yeah, his was going the other way. But yeah. Um, so yeah, just rested it, did ice and stem, whatever, whatever they were doing, you know, just taking care of it and helped me get back. I know it was a different finger and I know it was a different injury, so it's hard to compare. But what if, what if they tell Russell you can play against the Packers in a couple weeks, but you got to wear some sort of a protective device on your throwing hand? Look, I threw the, the, the ball as a kid. I never played quarterback at the highest level like you guys did. What would that be like to have to wear something to protect a finger on your throwing hand against the Packers? I think it would be difficult, but them being in the NFL in Seattle, and I'm sure they have the top of the top, like some top technology that hasn't even came out yet. And, yeah. And might have some sticky on there so he could get a little grip on the ball and things like that. You know what I'm saying? So it just depends what kind of device it is. Uh, that's what I would say. But like I said, them being in the NFL and billion dollar company, like I'm pretty sure they might have the, the top of the top, you know? So, um, yeah, just got to see what it looks like. Vernon Adams Jr. is our guest. He was that that terrific quarterback, threw for nearly 12,000 yards at Eastern Washington in three years and then got his graduate year at Oregon. I want you to go back and tell us a story because I was reading up on it before you and I chatted. That was kind of a contentious transfer. I don't know why. It was controversial. It was difficult for you to get to Oregon for that first year. Go back over that. And did I read where Bo Baldwin, the guy you just mentioned, your coach, didn't let you work out at Eastern Washington because he was playing your first the next season? Is there truth to that story, Vernon? Oh, yeah, there's truth to that. But <laughs> but I think it's blown out of proportion a bit because you got to think of it like, Okay, I went to go talk to him, and I told him, like, hey, coach, I'm going to make this move. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to go to Oregon. I'm going to try to, you know, get my, my chances better at just getting just getting looks from yeah. the NFL or, yeah. or whatever because everybody kept saying, okay, yeah, he's doing his thing at Eastern Washington, but is the competition level the same? Yeah. So I told him I want to make that move. But we were playing Eastern Washington the first game of the season, <laughs> Oregon was. And so uh, Coach Baldwin was like, well – Okay, VA, that's fine. Blah, 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 blah. We talked it out. And he was like, only thing is, like, you, you can't work out here in our weight room because then we're going to be getting you ready to be us. <laughs> and, and so that's, and it kind of made sense. You know what I'm saying? We had, a, we had our recreation, you know, recreation weight room where everybody, civilians, could go lift on campus. So I just went there instead of going to the athletic weight room. And so, yeah, it, you know, like I said, it makes sense. And they didn't want to get me ready to get them. And so, yeah, that's how that went down. And, and was it a smooth transfer or did you have to finish a class or something at Eastern? Oh, Washington? man, yeah, it was was so difficult man um you know i had to finish a math class and it took me three times <laughs> to pass it yeah it took me three times to pass it and the last time i took it i didn't finish my last class until five days deep into training camp uh. so so since I wasn't on the team yet at Oregon, I couldn't get a playbook. I couldn't get, uh -huh. I couldn't work out with the guys. I couldn't come on campus. I couldn't do nothing. I was just in Oregon for two months, just taking this class. And then I finally five days into camp, you know, I passed and I come five days late. So now I only have three weeks to uh -huh. get ready to prepare for Eastern Washington. I need to learn the offense 
gain the guys' trust on the team, get chemistry with the guys, gain the coaches' trust. And I had to do that in three weeks. And, uh, oh. you know, I did by the grace of God. And he was by me the whole time and um, helped me pass my math class. And, <laughs> you know, and just, just went from there, went from there. And then and then you broke your finger in the first game. <laughs> exactly. Then I break my finger in the first game against oh. my former team. And, oh. Oh, yeah, it was oh. a tough start to that year, for sure. So your football playing journey, Vernon, has brought you to Montreal with the Alouettes and the CFL. Is this your third CFL team? And how are you doing? How are you dealing with the fact that the NFL kind of gave you the stiff arm? Yeah, this is this is actually my third team. I played for Saskatchewan, Hamilton, and, and Montreal. So this is my third team. I'm in year six. And um, it's good, man. Um, I finally kind of solidified myself as a quarterback up here. I was leading this team. You know, I actually got hurt and broke my shoulder three weeks ago. So I'm out for the rest of the season as of now, but, um, you know, it's been good, man. It's a learning process. As far as the NFL giving me the stiff arm, you would call NFL is not for everybody, man. It's, it's, it's politics, a lot of politics, there's a lot of great players there. And there's a lot of players that shouldn't be there. So, you know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it's just a different type of business, it's a different type of business. So you know, the right people, you're going to get in and you, you go from there. You know what I'm saying? But I love it in the CFL. It's an absolutely different game. It's, it's harder than American football. So um, that's why a lot of big time NFL guys or former first rounders come up to the CFL and never make it because mm. they think it's, oh, it, it's easy. It's going to be easy. I could come up here and oh, I can play this because I did this in the NFL. No, we've had former Heisman winners, former first rounders, all of them come in and be out by the end of training camp. Mm. So it's like, it, that, that's what I'm saying. This game is way harder, man, and it, it's fun. It's um, it's exciting. There's different rules, and I love it, man. I love it up here, and I wouldn't mind being a CFL Hall of Famer, you know, right. in 10 years or wow. or whatever, however long it takes, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. um, making good money, making a living, take care of my family, doing stuff that I never got to do growing up. So obviously I know the NFL, that's that real, real money. But, <laughs> hey, I'm good. I'm good where I'm at right now, and I'm blessed, and I'm just thankful for the opportunity. It sounded like at the beginning of that answer, Vernon, that you feel like you were wronged by the NFL. You were here, weren't you, for Seattle? Yeah, I was there for a mini camp. We had Jake Heaps and um, Boykin. Yeah. It, was, it was us three in there. And um, shoot, hey, I, I definitely performed the best on the field. But like I said, it's a little bit of politics, and that's yeah. fine. That's okay. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, those guys are both great, too. You know, they're both great athletes and great quarterbacks. Um, but yeah, you know what I'm saying? It is what it is. And like I said, I'm just blessed and just thankful for where I'm at right now in my life. Well, I'm grateful that you would join us here on Mitch Unfiltered to laugh with us a little bit and reminisce about that great day in September many years ago. Seven touchdowns, 475 yards. Sorry to hear about the shoulder. I hope that your recovery from the shoulder is smooth. You get back on the playing field someday soon and you become that Hall of Famer in the Canadian Football League that you just spoke of. Thanks so much, Vernon VA for being with us on Mitch Unfiltered. Yes, sir, man. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me, man, first of all. And just, yeah, this is awesome, man. So thank you. And it's time for a check-in with CEO of Daniel's Broiler, my friend Lindsey Schwartz. Lindsey, how's everything at Daniel's and how was the bourbon bash? 
You know, Mitch, it's great. We're getting busier every week at all the restaurants. The Bourbon Bash was awesome. We had over 100 people there having a great time, and it was just so nice to be able to host an event again after all this time and see people there and hope to do a bunch more in the future. Lindsay, where are we with staffing? That's always been a challenger and has been a challenge recently. Still some great positions available? Absolutely. As the restaurants continue to get busier, we need more and more people. So we're hiring at all positions, front and back of house, full-time, part-time, looking for good people. You can go to the website or you can actually visit the locations. And the downtown Seattle, Hyatt Regency, the bar area still open at Daniel's? Yeah, the bar is open. We're serving our bar menu that has a couple of great steaks on it. Uh, That's getting busier every week. More people are headed to downtown Seattle these days, and uh, we're excited to see it continue to get busier. Your best busboy at uh, at Bellevue, Max Levy, tells me that live piano music is returning to that location, which has been popular for you guys for years. He's absolutely right. And uh, Jim Washburn, who has been our piano player there for over 30 years, if you can believe that, uh, we say he's played Piano Man more times than Billy Joel. <laughs> he's awesome. I know, I know a lot of listeners have loved him for a long time, and uh, he didn't get to, to perform for a year and a half, and now he's back. So Thursdays through Saturday nights from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. Come on in and say hi to Jim. And, Lindsay, you've added new mixers to the Amazon site. Explain that to me. Yeah, we talked about uh, the old-fashioned mixer that we launched on Amazon several months ago. It's been selling really, really well. And uh, we launched three new mixers this week, Whiskey Sour, a Kentucky Mule, and a Lavender Martini. So now we've got four mixers available on the Daniels Broiler storefront on the Amazon website. That is fantastic. There's a lot of forward momentum at Daniels Broiler. I love Daniels Broiler. Been a great partner since back in the radio days, and I'm very appreciative of that. Daniels Broiler, a world-class steakhouse. Unfiltered. stuff segment hot shot scott i still got a million things you probably have a million things go we'll go back and forth go. Your, your buddy ryan divish said that kyle seager was told that uh the mariners would not exercise his 2022 option in an email from the assistant general manager justin yes but first of all an, an email and then the assistant general manager come on that's like when I got let go from KJR, sure? getting let go by Shockey, and not Are we much sure? more. If, if that story is true, that is that is painfully, that's painfully disrespectful. If that's true, well, I don't yeah, know if I it's true. I don't know if it's true either. I just saw Divish tweet it, so that I thought is, I would bring it in. That's horrific. If that's true, awful. Considering what that guy's meant to this community and to the team and the franchise, it's awful. Oh. Yeah, assistant GM couldn't be bothered. Wow. How about calling him into the office or getting him on a Zoom? Of course. At the very least, a phone call. Oh, man, that, that's horrific if that's yeah, true. Yeah, I agree with you. I had not heard that, and if that's true, that's, that's a terrible indictment of the, uh, of the uh, upper management of the Seattle Mariners. Yeah. Washington Huskies, real quick. Yes, sir. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I was actually home and got to watch like the last quarter. Did you? It was awesome. Did you? It was? It was fun. It was fun. They go to the farm. They beat Stanford on the road. They hadn't done that in forever. They win 20 to 13. The quarterback of the Huskies stinks all night. The game plan of the Huskies stinks all night. The defense is really good all night until a late Stanford touchdown drive. Then at then in the uh, early stages of the fourth quarter or late stages of the third quarter, the, C- uh, the, C- uh, the University of Washington Huskies <laughs> have the ball at 9. Th- they're winning 9-3. Yeah, barn burner. It's third and like seven inside the 10. 
and they run the ball. <laughs> they literally wave the white flag and they settle for the field goal thinking, okay, we're up 9-3. We'll go up 12-3, yeah. short field goal. Our defense is doing the job. We're not going to risk it. And I just thought immediately when I saw that running play, I was like, <laughs> this is bad karma. One yeah. of two things is going to happen. Either they're going to miss the field goal and not be up by more than a touchdown yeah. or something the Cardinals are going to wake up offensively and and <laughs> he made the field goal. Yep. But exactly what I thought. The Cardinals wake up, they come down, they they put a, a drive, a couple of drives together and they take the lead 13-12. Yep. They sure did. And then the same team that won't pass on third and seven up nine to three passes when they should have probably just been playing for a field goal for a touchdown for a lot. You try to figure Jimmy Lake and John Donovan out because I don't, I don't even want to spend any more time thinking about those guys. Yeah. Yeah, Dylan Morris ran a, a read option and he actually kept it and got some good yards, but the cameraman got so faked because even the cameraman knows yeah, that I he saw never that. He keeps the ball on the read option. Okay. Even the cameraman now knows. You're, now you're even... <laughs> I laughed so hard. Now you're bringing up even another subject, and that's FS1's television coverage. Oh, yes. I swear to you, the student crew at Syracuse University in 1985 was better. Yeah. The student television station, it is, it's like amateur hour at the Apollo. Yeah. They did that all night. One night, one, you weren't watching early in the game. One time, he rolled out on a critical third down in deep in Stanford territory on a third down. He rolled to his right, and he threw as he was going out of bounds, and the camera stayed right with him as he went out of bounds and fell down. We had no idea where the ball went, where <laughs> great, the pass went. Great work. Zero idea. Yeah, brutal. FS1, man. Yeah. Ugh. It's definitely the RC Cola of all the Fox channels. And it's just appropriate that the that the Pac-12... It's, it's somehow in the, involved. That's in the shitter as it is. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Just as involved with the... I mean, it, everything about the Pac-12 right now needs a, a complete overhaul. Yeah. But anyway, good for, good for Washington. That's right. They won. Rose Bowl bound. That's what I'm saying. There you go. Am I up? Yeah. Michigan State football fans went absolutely wild after beating their hated rival Michigan in sure East, East Lansing. Did you see any of this? I sure. I watched the whole damn game because New Heisel told me to bet Michigan. Oh, <laughs> and we were up 30 to 14 with a lot of money on the line. 30 to 14, we're up in the third quarter, and we lose 37-33. Not that I was paying close attention. Well, the, the, Yeah, okay. Well, the, the fans at Michigan State were setting couches on fire. If they flipped at least one car over, smashing its windows. Oh this God. one dipshit jumped on the couch that was burning, caught himself on fire. Oh, my God. God what, do, what is that? Why do fans do that? When they get excited, they have to just go destroy stuff. I'll never understand it. <laughs> Made me laugh, though. Well, Michigan State's uh, undefeated and trying yeah. to get into the national football playoff i got navy upsetting uh, tulsa in college football having not completed one pass the entire game we've got that wow yeah that happened i've got tyron matthew you know Ty- the honey badger you know tyron matthew sure. he's uh a- an all pro safety familiar yes for the kansas city chiefs got himself in trouble on social media with legendary chiefs fans i, I can imagine that x factor was not too pleased with Tyron Matthew. You, you, you keep his name alive. This, it's all on you. So one of his teammates, Tyron Matthew's teammates named Anthony Hitchens, was just getting ridiculed on social media. People were saying he was one of the worst things that the general manager did in the last three or four okay. years. You know, Chiefs fans have been berating all Chiefs players because they're having a bad year. Yeah. And, and Hitchens responded by saying, Funny, all we did was go to three AFC Championship games and two Super Bowls in my only three years in the NFL. 
And then Tyron Matthew says, dude, Chiefs fans, one of the most toxic fan bases in the sports. Now, Whoa. I don't think you want to do that if no. you're a Chiefs player. He, he was apologizing like three and a half minutes later. Yeah, I'm sure. The, the, the tweet was being deleted and he was apologizing to Chiefs fans. So. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah, not, kind of not you know, I don't think if you're a player, you no. don't want to take shots at your fans. No, no, no. They're allowed to take shots at you. That comes with the territory. But you're right? not allowed to take shots at them. That's just the way it goes. Yep. Yeah. You can't have those those rabbit ears, as they say. No. You can't listen to every little no. thing. No. A, a man and woman posing as a couple made off with an incredibly rare bottle of French wine that's 215 years old. Really? Could you imagine drinking something no. that's 215 years old? No. Well, the value of that bottle of wine is $407,000, a bottle of wine. Yeah. So they, well, that, I don't think that's a, is that a lot? I thought wine goes for like. Well, this, this bottle was at a restaurant. You, oh, could, you can buy it. Really? For 400 grand. But a, a couple snuck in the cellar, stole that and like five or six other bottles. And they get them? They nope, nab them? Nope. They're still on the loose. So good Do luck. Do we think they're drinking it or they're just. It's a great Hoarding. question. The, the police think that if anyone tried to sell that, there'd be so many red flags that they would get caught. So they think it's some rich guy who wants to drink it, who wants to try it. That's that's kind of what who they're. Or is it possible at. that they stole a bottle of wine, not knowing, or some bottles of wine, not knowing what they stole? They think this was like an in, like these Definitely. guys were experts. The, the experts. They yeah. went right See, to. I the, would I would have no idea where to go to find that one. Who would four hundred thousand dollar bottle no of idea. wine? No idea. <laughs> I know. I have no. Mitch idea. comes out with the Mad Dog twenty twenty. Ah, crap! That's the wrong one. <laughs> Achat, the trading deadline is here in the National Football League. Yes. Everybody's waiting to see whether the Seattle Seahawks will do anything before Tuesday's trading deadline. They could. Okay. They may not. Uh, whether they'll acquire somebody to help or whether they'll trade some pieces away to get draft choices or what they'll do. But all NFL eyes over the next 48, 72 hours are on Deshaun Watson. Right, yes. What's going to happen with Deshaun Watson? Wasn't there some real Miami... Huge Miami... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Huge Miami rumors. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to wait and see. I I think the latest is that people are betting that he's not going to get traded because there's just too much up in the air. Yeah. With... um, The the rest, With all the allegations. But uh, keep an eye on the trade deadline in the NFL. That's a... That's a tough one. If you get him, you you could get him for like half a year. You just never know what what you're getting. The NFL's commissioner, Roger Goodell, says there's not enough yet for them to put him on the commissioner's exemplus. As if to say that an acquiring team on Tuesday, if somebody acquired him on Tuesday, he could play the following game. Hmm. He will not be suspended right away. But of course, the NFL reserves the right. And then the other NFL news, which is kind of admirable and disheartening at the same time do you know the name calvin ridley that mean anything to you yeah wide receiver the atlanta falcons really good wide receiver the atlanta falcons he's going to take time away he said he's going to concentrate on his mental health Mm. he's got some personal issues and he wants to make sure that he's right it's very important and i i applaud him for that and and wish him all the very best as do his teammates falcons are involved in a little bit of a race like everybody else in the nfc for that final wild card spot so it's going to be tough without him for a while but They've all said the same thing like Matt Ryan. Hey, Calvin Ridley, Ridley's got to take care of himself before he can take care of the team. So good for him. That feels like progress to me. Yeah, nobody would have done this 15 years ago. Right? No. No. 10 years ago. No, no. absolutely not. No. So good. We wouldn't have permitted it 10 years That's ago. That's right. Right? Yeah, yeah. But now most of us that are, I think, even keeled or maybe have suffered themselves yeah. through it a little bit and know what darkness is and... Uh, and say, hey, good for him. A little more sensitive to yeah. people going through that. Yeah. Somebody else putting their money where their mouth is. Ice Cube. Are you familiar with Ice Cube? Yeah. The guy that's in the movies 
Is he in the movies too? He's an actor. He's an actor. I can yes. picture the guy that's he Ice was Cube. first yes. a rapper with the yeah. group called. Was NWA. he on a Geico? Was he in a, in a lawn, on a lawn on a commercial or something selling lemonade or is that somebody else? You think of Snoop Dogg maybe? No, it wasn't Snoop. Dogg. Oh, I think Ice Cube was actually. Yeah, there was like a lemonade, lemonade like stand. a Geico yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. So he's putting his money where his mouth is, like we talked about with um, is it Kyrie Irving who's sitting out the yeah, 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 yeah. This isn't that kind of money, but he was he's passing on a role in the upcoming movie called Oh Hell No because he refused a request from producers to get the vaccine. Nine million dollars. Nine he was million get paid dollars. To, he's forfeiting to star in a movie with Jack Black. Yeah, and yeah. and by the way, they were filming on location in Hawaii. Oh God, that would be so awesome. Nine million and in Hawaii for six months. Yeah, and he's passing Say on it. No. So. Say no, thank you. Yeah, he's out. Silly, but okay. Yeah. That's his principles. There was a Friday night football game, as there is in high school football, Hotshot. Yeah. You, you formerly of the Issaquah Indians that yeah. are now the Issaquah Eagles. Eagles. There was a, do you know Inglewood? What do you know about Inglewood, California? You know anything oh, about Inglewood? always up to no good. Yeah, sure. No, a lot about Inglewood. What do you know about Inglewood? Lakers used to play there. The Fabulous Forum That's right. is still in Inglewood, California. Okay. You know who owns the Fabulous Forum? You have any idea? It's not Dr. Buss? No, no. It was It was this guy, James Dolan. I think his name is James. Okay. Dolan, the New York Knicks owner. Okay. It's now a concert venue. There's a lot of concerts at the Forum in Inglewood, California. It's now owned by the owner of the Clippers. Okay. A deal was brokered between Dolan, who owned the forum, was mad at Balmer about building his new basketball arena. Inglewood is also the home of the Los Angeles Rams, where that new stadium ah, is. Okay. So Inglewood, right? Yep. There was a high school football game in Inglewood, California on Friday night. Okay. It matched. It was a, it was a, a heated rivalry between Inglewood High School and Inglewood Morningside High School. Okay. These two teams just don't like each other. <laughs> All right. Would you like to project the final score? Oh, man. <laughs> When, he, when these two get together, I heard you can just throw out the records. You can throw out the records. That's right. No, you can't throw out the records. Oh, okay. The, the, the records uh, reared their heads, did yeah, they? A, a little bit. Okay. You want to take a guess? I, I don't know. I'll tell you that Inglewood High School has a quarterback by the name of Justin Martin who has verbally committed to UCLA. Oh, okay. And he, in this game this past Friday, had not one, not five, <laughs> not six, not eight oh, no. touchdown passes. Not nine, not ten. Oh, no. Not 12. 13 touchdown passes. Wow. And an Inglewood High School victory by the final score of 106 to nothing. Oh, my gosh. 106 to nothing. Ask me what the kicker is of this story. And I don't mean the kicker as in the place Right, right, kicker. right, yeah. What's, Ask me. What's the kicker in this story? They scored a late touchdown to go up 104 to nothing and went for two. <laughs> Of course they did. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They went for two. Yeah. They went for two up wow. 104 to nothing. So we're, And got it to make it 106. We're joking about them being heated, right? But are, are, they, are they really rivals? Or I do we know? know or, no, I don't think so. But we might be right, though. Maybe they just hate each other. And every How do you point think can, the coach yeah. of the other team felt about the two-point conversion at the end to go from 104 to 106. <laughs> that handshake at midfield might have been a little awkward. <laughs> I've already instructed, true story, Steve Dion to try to get the, the losing coach on. He's been very, very outspoken about how the sportsmanship, the lack of sportsmanship on oh. behalf of England. Not happy. Okay. Not happy. And, and that's the, court, the quarterback that, that he said he threw 13 touchdowns? He threw 13 touchdowns. That's the one going to UCLA. 
No, yeah, it's the no the quarterback <laughs> on the team that scored zero is going to UCLA. No, of course, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Justin Martin, Inglewood High School, going to UCLA. How do you even have time for thirteen passing touchdowns? I don't. I just what are you thinking? Going yeah. for two? Please tell me. No, maybe the kicker was hurt. We don't know. Maybe, then you uh, take a knee. Yeah, fine. Or <laughs> have somebody else I get kick. It, right, have the punter really? give it a shot. Yeah, going for is two. Is it a hundred and four enough? When is enough enough? <laughs> I can't believe that's not a record, 106. I mean, that's... 106 to nothing. I went to my alma mater's game, and they were down 28 nothing in the first quarter. I thought that was outrageous. And it felt like 106. <laughs> that's right. It wasn't 106. Go ahead. All right. A Colorado hiker who wandered off the trail and got lost, ignored, repeated phone calls from rescuers because the hiker didn't recognize the number official set. Jesus. <laughs> they were looking for this guy, and he wouldn't answer his freaking phone because he thought it was spam. He didn't recognize it. Oh he literally God. got lost. He started hiking around 9 a.m., and he didn't return that evening. They had a search party. Go Jeez. find him. He finally came back at like 9.30 the next day or whatever. And the hiker told officials he wandered off and didn't answer his phone because he didn't recognize the numbers. He was lost in the woods. So a little PSA to our listeners. If you're you're lost lost in the the woods, woods, answer your phone. Good idea. Thank you. I think so too. If you want to get found. My my grandpa would say. Maybe he was enjoying himself. That's true. Maybe he was. My grandpa would say that if you're you're lost in the woods and you want someone to come find you, what you do is you sit down with a deck of cards and you play solitaire and some asshole will come around and tell you your next move. <laughs> your grandfather. For those who That's play good. solitaire, you That's understand. People That's love to actually tell you your next move. Very good. I like that. I have one last story. Okay. One R.I. Two R.I.P. So do you want to... How do you want to do it? Yeah, I, I have an we? R.I.P., but we, we might be uh, teaming up on one of them. I don't know, but we're real probably quick, teaming up on both, yeah. This this couple got... They were getting married. Tasha and December Fairies. And somebody walked up and said, Oh, hey, I wanted to say hello to everyone. His name was Tom Hanks. Crashed oh, really? a wedding over the Good weekend. For him. I, I don't know why. I love that kind of you stuff. You love that story. I mean, what a cool moment for that for that couple, right? Yeah, yeah. And somebody yells out in the video, hey, it's it's Woody from Toy Story. And I was thinking, <laughs> he's done some other stuff too, but okay, fine. Maybe you grew up with Toy well, Story. Well, son! <laughs> right. I mean, he's done a few movies, but how cool to have a picture of Tom yeah. Hanks at your wedding. I thought yeah. that, was, that was cool. I like yeah. when they do that. I'd like to make a mention of the Seattle Pacific University exhibition basketball game that happened on Saturday night at SPU. Okay. Why would I do that? It's not often you hear those words. SPU exhibition game makes Mitch Unfiltered's list of headlines? Yeah, bizarre. Why would I do that, Hotshot? No clue. They won 76-65 to 65 in a basketball game against some school called Lincoln, the Lincoln Oaklanders from Oakland, California. Okay. Why in the world would Mitch Levy... <laughs> Bring up that exhibition game. 13 touchdowns. No. No. 76-65. No. No no guesses as to why I'd bring it up? No. Would you like to take a guess at who the head coach making his debut for the Lincoln Oaklanders was at Seattle Pacific University? I have no clue. GP, are you with me? Wow. Gary Payton's first game as coach hey. of the Lincoln Oaklanders. He comes to Seattle to play SPU. Everybody who was there, and I don't think there were many, yeah. says he was barking at a fish. People were laughing. <laughs> the problem is no one can take Gary Payton seriously now. You know, he's barking at officials, yeah. barking at his team. What are we running out there? What are we running? Everybody's, oh. just, everybody's just picturing number 20, yeah, yelling yeah. at his teammates and doing a, the whole thing, yelling at opposing team play. Anyway. Uh, yeah, uh, first so game cool. ever. Gary Payton came here on Saturday night and brought his Lincoln Oaklanders for an exhibition game against SPU. You keep an eye on that team in a couple of years. He'll get him coached. You think up. so? When he gets his guys in, and he's they well, start. he got one of his guys is also named Gary Payton. 
Oh, well, that's probably not so. going to hurt. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. Got, he's got one of his sons on the team. That's so cool. I didn't know he was head coaching. Yeah. There you go. He's just always around you on TV. See, you, and... left, you left her on Halloween. You let the 12-year-old do her trick-or-treating yeah. by herself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you came and found out who the head coach. Now, over the water cooler tomorrow in your new job, when somebody says, who's the Lincoln Oaklanders? <laughs> Anybody know the Lincoln Oaklanders head coaches? <laughs> You're going to know the name. Another fight, Delta Airlines. You see the fight on Delta Airlines? They got in a fight before takeoff with a man who was sitting behind him because no a, a anybody get anybody get scotch taped to their uh, <laughs> no that, that, duct taped to their chair like before takeoff you have to deal with this now I guess somebody put something in the little pouch and the guy didn't like it he could oh, feel that pouch. it or, yeah the pouch is it's not really made for storage well I, I, well the pouch brings up a lot of nightmares for me oh it does yeah I just that pouch is. I don't think it gets cleaned very often. The pouch oh, itself. Yeah. No, that's not Putting your hand in that pouch, yeah. no. And you have like a, you know, a half an inch it's of like, room. It's to like using silverware at a, at a timeshare. Oh, that's different than a restaurant, <laughs> right? That's yes, right. Much different. A restaurant, no problem. No problem. 800 miles a day on that fork. No problem. <laughs> timeshare, it's no good. Timeshare, no good. So if, you'd like, if you like these public fights, go look up the Delta okay. Airlines. What's well, crazy these guys are going at it. And then somebody, I know you love Guinness World Records. There's a new holder for spinning a football on one finger. 21 seconds for spinning a football on one finger. He's now a British Columbia man. Three hours from where we sit is now in the Guinness World Records. I would have thought that the record for spinning a football would be longer than 21 seconds. That's really long. But I... I, don't, I can't do it. I, I don't think you, you get to sit there and hit it. Oh. I think just one. Oh, well, then, then it's, a, it's an eternity. That's crazy. That's yes. different. You didn't say you got you to gotta bring that information into the story earlier. Well, and it also says that. buried the lead. His next goal is uh, he wants to go on a date with a woman. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> now we got to transition to RIPs, right? To a dog dying. That's right. Uh, you want to go first? Or, I only have two. Michael Johnson. Yeah, I don't know who that is. He's the son of uh, Inside the NBA host Ernie oh, Johnson. Oh, yes, I do know that. I love Ernie Johnson. Yep. That is a heartbreaking yep. heart. Oh, my God, that story. If you watch, if you, don't, if you don't know the story of Ernie Johnson and this child of his, yeah. you got to see E60, the E60, the documentary that was done on him. Oh, there is oh, one. I didn't oh, know that. Oh, Ernie Johnson is like an angel placed yep. on earth. He's like, right. the, he's like the sweetest man in the world. Yeah. So for yeah. those that don't know, he adopted yeah. a kid from Romania who was diagnosed with Duchenne. I'm probably saying it wrong. It's a muscular dystrophy, a genetic disorder in which muscles degenerate over time. And he passed away at 33 oh. years old. Oh, Ernie Johnson yeah. is like one of the... The greatest human beings you'll ever see. That's right. Right. You just see him kind of goofing around on inside, you know, the NBA and all that, but you don't really know like oh. the Ernie Johnson behind the scenes, like what an angel. And then he is. Yeah. He said something very he sweet. Is. He said, we, of course, we're grieving, but we're very grateful to have 33 years with Michael. He's an amazing guy. Yeah. Ernie Johnson. Yeah. yeah. So rest in peace rest to in Michael peace. Johnson. Who else do you have? On that, that was my only one. Really? Yeah. Did I miss something? You don't have Jerry Remy? No. Who was a longtime infielder for the Red Sox, but really more beloved as a TV announcer for the last many couple of two, three decades. Jerry Remy, really, really beloved figure okay. in Boston. Red Sox announcer, Red Sox second baseman, battled cancer seven different times, oh. succumbed this uh, this past weekend uh, in his 60s. So there's an RIP for you. And I, th I, I would have sworn, could have sworn you would have brought this other one because you commented about it on Twitter. Okay. The name Carissa Sherman. Can oh, we bring that up? I, yeah, I had a feeling you were going to have that, so I didn't. I didn't bring it up. I don't really know where to go with this, and I'm going to try to keep myself. I, I I don't think I should be crying on two two consecutive Mitch Unfilters. Okay. But this this lady, this gal by the name of Carissa Sherman. Yeah, she went by UW Gal <laughs> on Twitter. Yeah, and 
I'm not sure that I was completely aware of her popularity, but very, very popular amongst Seattle sports fans. Had lots of followers. Yep. Had lots of tattoos. Had Edgar Martinez's tattoo. I mean, just she had a Seattle Dragons. Seattle Dragons. She Seattle sports. She, she, she was like literally and figuratively the mouthpiece and the flag of Seattle sports and just supported them all, supported it all broadcasters and whatever. And on a personal note, I, I didn't know her well. But when I had my issues in, in 2017, I can remember, and there were a lot of people who said so many nice, beautiful things and wrote me and pushed me and supported me and pushed me to do the podcast. So I don't want to alienate those people to speak of this, this woman. But it was, it was incredible, the support that this person who I had, I had never met hmm. named UW got Every time I tweeted something, this is going back to... Go, Mitch. Go, Mitch. We wow. love you. You're right there with us. Then I did my first public appearance at Daniel's, and she showed up. Well, that's cool. I met her for the first time, and the hug she gave me when I walked through the door yeah. and, like, whispering supportive words in my ear, wow. we're, we're right there with you. We love you. I mean, it was, uh, it was so moving to find out this past week that she passed away suddenly Yeah, at the age of, I think, 42. I, my week has been blah since then. Again, I only met her the one, I only think I met her the one time, but yeah. such a, again, an angel. You talk about Ernie John, such a wonderful human being and great spirit about her. Well, really, really nice and yeah. nice to me. And you, you, you tend to remember those people. Yeah. You know, when things are not so good, the people sure. that stand beside you and behind you and push you, you remember, I remember her and I'm so, so deeply sorry and saddened over her sudden loss. And yeah. I, I don't know if there's any friends or her family that listen to this, but if you if you if you're there, my condolences. And if there's anything that I can do, I don't know what that would be. Yeah. But uh, please reach out. It is a it is a terrible terrible loss for the sports community in the Pacific Northwest. Carissa Sherman. That would be my R.I.P. And Jerry Remy. Yeah, we we exchanged a few messages on Twitter from time you did. to time. You did. She and, was just somebody who would support everybody and answer everybody. Yeah, and she wasn't. She, there, there, a lot of sports fans are super negative, and this this no, guy sucks, and this person incredibly positive, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So yeah, and I remember. I think I told her I was jealous. She had more Twitter followers than me. Yeah, I don't know yeah, how yeah. does that work? Like yeah. I was in radio. And yeah, you have more. You know, but yeah, we joke about that. I, I didn't know her. I never met her. But we just some like, really she's sweet a, human being, a Twitter friend, and I. I'd always I always liked her tweets because she just seemed oh. really sweet. And yeah, yeah, forty two. God. Yep. Just makes you wonder. Right. Suddenly, out of nowhere, she's gone. Yeah. It makes you think about the people that you're estranged with, family members you haven't talked to in a while. Yeah. It makes you think, I don't want to go on some sort of a soapbox, but you understand. I mean, you need read nothing other than something like this to maybe give you a jolt to pick up the phone or go settle whatever stupid dispute you That's have right. with somebody and figure it out. Anyway. Yep. Anyway. That's right. Anything else? So you have one last story. How you going? How are you going to do this? Go ahead. And I got to talk she about would, a dog die. She would want you to do it. She'd be cool with she it. She listened to the podcast. She <laughs> would want you to do it. We have one less listener, unfortunately, this week. A video that shows a large gray van, which is clearly marked with Amazon branding, parked at the side of the road, went viral. I don't know if you saw it over the weekend. Why did it go viral, you ask? Well, thank you for asking. Because the Why back, did it go vi viral, Hotshot Scott? The back door of the van swings open, and a woman wearing a short black dress but no shoes is seen climbing out of the back and walking away. Short black dress and no, no shoes. shoes. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, um, somebody 
videotaped it or recorded it on their phone. And yeah, they don't videotape it anymore. They sure don't. <laughs> after the video, although it's called a video, which is a little confusing. Yeah, okay. After okay. the video went viral, 12 million views online, news broke that the driver lost his job over the incident. A spokesperson for Amazon told TMZ, this does not reflect the high standards we have for our delivery service partners and their drivers. The nature of the woman and the driver's suspicious meeting in the van is yet to be officially disclosed. <laughs> Who knew that the term mail order bride really means they actually mail you a human? I mean, come on. Look, what did we all expect from a guy whose job it is to deliver a package? <laughs> ah, so this is what Amazon Smile gets you. Now I finally know. And finally, oh. in the automated world we live in, it's sort of quaint when someone takes time to service the customer. Someone on this podcast doesn't really want us talking about that company. As I read this, I just remember. Oh. <laughs> Shh. Gotcha. Shh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope DK's having a good time right now. <laughs> That's what's on your mind? I don't <laughs> I do too. Good for him. And I want to, uh, uh, the, the one thing that I forgot to mention at the very top of the show, I wanted to mention at the top of the show, but it's too late now. We've already done the top of the show. Yeah. I guess I'll mention it at the back of the show okay. since I didn't mention it. The Mitch Unfiltered YouTube channel. Yes, I'm glad you didn't forget. Nice work. Okay? Yes. Uh, oh, I should tell everybody, anybody who made it to this stage of the show, that episode 166 will not be for two weeks. We're going to take a little time off. That's right. Because we have a uh, an off week, a bye week for the Seahawks. So yeah. we'll do, we'll still do a lot of um, patron shows. Yeah. But there will be no show one week from Monday. There will be no 166. I guess it would be. This is 165. There'll be no 166 one week. 166 will be released two weeks to the day after this one. Is that okay? That's our bye week, too. I like it. It's our bye week. Yes. Going to take a week off. That's it. I'm in. All right. You want to go back home? Happy Halloween, everyone. A day late. Go back home and knock on the door and see, you know, just. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Episode 165 is in the books. 